Hello and welcome to Apocalypse Radio. I am your host, Andrew. I am coming in hot as I forgot to change everyone's pictures from last week because I've been getting a lot more lax with like requiring people to send me their photos that they want to use and I've just been using their Twitter photos <laughs> because it's faster that way. Um, and I'm in the process of doing that right now to get myself... Ah, perfect. We're all set up now. Speaking of all set up, who else? You know who else is all set up? Our first guest, who you may know from issue 15 of Indie Pockets with Winter, and it's Freya. Hello, Freya. How are you doing? Hello, Andrew. I'm doing okay. I am all set up, as you say, with tea and nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't really need much else, I think, except for tea and you to be here. Uh, I also forgot to send my profile picture for the stream, so I, I am. That is my fault that you're having to scramble around on Twitter for that. No, I've already got it. I because I posted them all already. So I just instead of going to my Indie Apocalypse profile picture folder, which is handy because then I put like everyone's names and pronouns and titles in it. So should I need to acquire them all later, I have. I go. I look at this face. I'm like, who is this? And like, ah, the file name is this person's name, so I know exactly who this is. So I don't have to memorize the face of everyone. I see, uh, people I have never met before. But anyway. But anyway. But anyway, that's all well and beside the point. Um, I'm just going to get this out of the way now because there was one question from Big Hand in Sky, which is, if you had to pick any other zine printed a web to do an Indie Apocalypse joint thing with, which one would you pick? And I will say... Watch for the middle of the month in some coming month. It's, <laughs> it's on its way. You may have seen the secrets, my vague tweets about collaborations in the past. There is a collaboration that was actually my, my dream collaboration even. that like It was a random email I sent that was like, here's a dream collaboration of something that I really like and to make something that I really like and I want to do it and... It was very easy to do, actually. Turns out, people like to make stuff. Speaking of it, people... That is that is the big, like... People just like making stuff. I kind see. of galaxy brain take, but it's it's very true. <laughs> right. <laughs> My other, The other galaxy brain take I've learned about is um, people do work when you pay them. They love to make stuff when you pay them as well. Hell yeah. I will... That is that is a very good segue into, I guess, that is why I am here. Yes, you're here because you are one of the, the new thing for, let's call it, Indiepocalypse. Year two is like I decided to start commissioning artists to also make a spe- like one unique game per issue. to get those hot exclusives that the gamers crave. And listen, last, last month, I'm going to say it worked. It worked big time. The very, yeah. f- the very first issue to reach the, the, the much-coveted break-even point was issue number 15, which you were a part of, and I think a big part of also, I have to imagine. You know what? It, it surprised me, because, like, I always got the sense from kind of, like, having known the Indiepocalypse name, that, like, ah, oh, surely that must be, you know, surely that must be breaking even. Surely Andrew is like <laughs> diving into his little gold pond of yeah coins. 
Okay. Yes. I just uh, I, I put on my I put on my little my tiny glasses, my shirt with no pants, and I dive right in and swim around in my giant vault that I keep in a big big building that just has a dollar sign on it. No, I life. I think even if I did it like a publisher, where it was like I took a hundred percent of the profits until it broke even, I don't think really any of the issues would have broken like. <laughs> Still, only like maybe half of them would have broken even at this point. Uh-huh. It does not make very much money, but but it does uh, make a lot of love. That's what I th- yes. I actually ha- for the very first time with this next issue, because I keep a um, like a search option of or I keep a search bar of indie apocalypse kind of stuff, and for the first time someone accepted they said oh, i can't believe i got accepted i'm very excited and that is all very strange to me but i guess that makes sense that eventually it would be seen as an, uh, as an institution you know that noble <laughs> institution of indie apocalypse yeah it's actually, actually i was surprised it was like just you running it, it was like oh you know indie apocalypse that must be a big thing <laughs> no. must be a team <laughs> welcome to welcome to the team. You're you're talking to the team right now. Andrew Indiepocalypse. Yes. Yeah. I that's why I mean it's part of why I don't have besides I don't like to use Twitter, and it's why I don't have and also because Indiepocalypse was taken. And like I try to it's why there's no um like logo or distinct like cover or like title treatment. It's cuz it's not a brand, you know? It's just me. It's a thing I'm putting together. Anti-brand, right? Exactly. I am very anti-brand. If 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 I have blocked you on Twitter, it's probably because you feel too much like a brand, or you're just unfunny. And really, everyone, for you, how often how often do you block people on Twitter? Oh, my block list is like five figures. Ah, that's so beautiful. (laughs) Listen, I I I learned. Like I learned, it's weird that I came to this conclusion so late, considering I learned it so so many years ago, when I still use Facebook. Where it's like, oh, you can just block anyone just because you just don't like to see them. Just, <laughs> Nothing, you know. Sometimes it's someone doesn't even have to have done anything. It's just right. like you just have bad vibes. Yeah, or it's just you're like <laughs> you're unfunny one too many times. Like not even like unfunny in any offensive way. Just like I think you make bad jokes. It's like ah, oh, I can just block you, and I'd never have to see you again. It's a beautiful feeling. I've started blocking ev- being online. Yeah, I've started blocking everyone who does those quote retweet homework things. Anyone who tries to create one, I just block them on site, and. Anyone who participates, that which are the reason they come across my feed, I look at them like they're 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 thing on TweetDeck, and I think to myself, "You're on notice. I see these too <laughs> many times. You fucking mute." Well, I guess I would mute them to be polite, because technically I'm already following them. But I, I hated those things like forever ago. I don't know. I, I was gonna say that makes you feel old, but I think that makes you feel too young because it feels like something an old person does is get off my get off my lawn right yeah i don't know which one it is maybe it's just (laughs) uh, maybe it's just uncool people who or maybe listen uh, it's all very whatever people do the things that they like and i just don't think i don't like them that's not 
You, you can be proud to be a hater. It's fine. Like yeah. I think reclaiming being a hater is a is a strong position. Yeah, I. I was thinking. I've mentioned this multiple times. I think we really need to bring back um, not haterism, but more like we need like more active critiquing within indie games. I guess like you don't have to like everyone's stuff. I think, which is a yeah, weird. Thing. I mean, yeah. I mean, I don't like everyone's stuff. Right. I, I mean, who does? Like, I don't know. It's. Yeah. I I'm kind of distrustful of games that literally 100 percent of people like you know yes i yeah I, I i i may have blocked an account because i kept seeing people retweet it. i'm like why is is like is is there like someone at this company that is friends with people because why else would you everyone constantly be pushing this like very extremely average looking roguelike that if they did not hire mushba definitely owes them royalties for creative licenses and yeah i assume people are like listen i have a i, I have some uh, a peg to take with wholesomeness and we need more Ooh. we need more negativity let's we need more negativity in games we need more just like shit talking and realizing that shit talking someone's work is not their individual as well i want to let's let's create feuds about the feuds about art you know Maybe I'll ruin a couple friendships along the way, but it'll better the art form. Gonna gonna make a game that's a critical takedown of some work that just really annoys me. I want to have a Truffaut Godard like falling out with somebody. <laughs> but anyway, that's your that's your aim. Exactly. Like after I have that, I've talked about. It. I just I just want to be Caddy Orson Welles, where I'm just like. I hate everything, and I hate all these very clearly following consumerist trends in games kind of thing. But you don't hate all of your wonderful indie apocalypse submissions. Oh, no, only like a, only like a good half of them are terrible. <laughs> Somebody asked me recently, like, "Oh, how do you play all those games? You have to play them all." I'm like, "Yeah, I play them all, but like so many of the, enough of them, I'm like these are so bad. I can I don't have to play them for more than two minutes." I know that they're no good. It's like I have to find like an eternal like gauge of like whether this is a shit post that's like whether this is a bad game or whether it's like a really clever shit post. And sometimes I can't tell. Sometimes it's not a difference. Sometimes they have the same thing. Yes. Yeah. What is just like bad and mediocre and what is like secretly brain level genius? Oh god, Breen! I've been with, I've been watching the Breen retrospective, and it's okay. <laughs> okay. It's like nearly six-hour self-documentary. Yes. But seeing, seeing, seeing into the mind of that kind of like outsider art alter, yeah, is fascinating and also deeply funny. Yeah, so you, it must have been you. I saw someone posting about it. it. Must have been you. I was like, oh, I need this is fascinating and beautiful stuff. Cause I think it was there was like a wasn't there like a like a clip where it's like the editing was so bizarre. Like he's he's there's a freeze frame. Yes, where okay. He's overdubbing, talking about motion. Yes, yes, he that's has, what it was. He likes having having scenes with motion. Yeah, like the entire clip is fucking freeze framed. 
Right. And like, if he wasn't just clearly like a realtor who had money and wanted to make films, I consider him to be like an avant-garde genius. But obviously... Uh, architect, not realtor. Oh, right, right. And he was something with houses. Yeah, yeah. House, house adjacent. Yeah. Like, maybe he is. Like, maybe after like... Because how, how long has he been at it? Probably like five, six, maybe even ten years or something. I feel... Yeah, I don't know. I'm going to look that one up. I feel like it's like ten years. Yeah, so maybe like he's... Like 2012. I, mean, like, I, I only found out about him, like, this year. Right. Or, no, 2020, so... Oh, what a... No, I'm, I'm not a Lifetime fan, unfortunately. I can't claim that. No. 2005. What a... Yeah, so maybe he's realized, like, what he is, and maybe he, he is become, like, a lot more self... It's just hard to tell, because after then, you clearly you must be, like, somewhat self-aware of what you're making, you know? Right? <laughs> I mean, you make different stuff if you're self-aware. Yeah. Right. It's as if you've got that kind of, like, naivety where it's just like, I'm just making a thing. And I sincerely, I believe yeah. in the thing. But that that motion clip leaves me lying awake at night thinking. Oh, Obviously. it gets better after that. It's just, it's, yeah. What, what I, haven't, I haven't finished it, but it's it's all worth watching. <laughs> you, didn't marath- you, can... <laughs> you didn't marathon it in one day? What not not all six hours? No, I can no. stand it. <laughs> I no, that's. I have so many. I've been talking to a friend. I've had so many ambitions of this, this post-vax life, where I can we can finally hang out and watch the worst movies, because they're just like no. I've realized watching them some by myself. They're just, they're just like not fun. I d- I think like fundamentally. The genre of films you can watch on your own and enjoy is really narrow compared to yeah. films you can just watch with a group. Yeah, yeah. There is like a very like I just I had recently watched Event Horizon um, for a friend and an unrelated thing I do with him, and I was like, this movie is like extremely mediocre. But I feel like he was like, oh, this movie is Stone Cold classic, and I feel like if I had watched it with him. I could understand, like, being like, oh, wait, this movie whips, but watching it by myself is like, here's a bunch of people jumping at the camera in slow motion and very mediocre dialogue. Yeah, sometimes you need a a kind of guiding light to see, like, what what is excellent about this film? Yeah. Yes, you need, like, that, that companion. Or it's like, how do you, how else do you watch through all those, like, kaiju movies and what else are you supposed to do what are you supposed to do if you're sitting by yourself and the humans start talking to each other about boring stuff and i guess you just like you just tune out and then like suddenly you forget about the movies until godzilla comes back and he like elbow drops Ghidorah or something you like, oh fuck yeah godzilla i can't remember what's happening oh uh, yeah right <laughs> big big lizard guy sick do you have any experience with um, kaiju or or to- or like tokusatsu at all? That whole like like, like physically in real life or in what? Oh yeah, you, uh, physically in real life. Have you done any done any tokusatsu work in your in your oh, life? Absolutely. You know, my my before I got into games, I was you know fighting the forces of evil. Oh 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 oh! So you were actually doing it. You weren't. <laughs> you weren't like the person in charge of putting all the sparks on people that shoot off whenever they get hit. Would you, I mean, what kind of, like, support crew do you think they have off-screen? 
a lot of medical staff and pyrotechnic staff. <laughs> from because from my experience, it's a lot of just like from what I remember, basically having only seen Power Rangers as a child mm-hmm. and seeing cl- and admiring clips of it online of Tokusatsu gifts, but like thinking to myself, oh, I could never actually watch these shows because. These are good clips, but they're attached to like twenty-minute episodes that are probably nowhere near as good as these tw- like five-second clips. And I think it's I think if I was like ten years old and it was a Saturday morning, it's like six a.m. Yeah, tuning in, switch on my old CRT TV, does that little pop and whine, and then there's like they're combining to beat up some kind of giant Mothman great i'm into it you know yeah say no more i i think that i guess maybe that's the true problem is that i grew up and i put away childish things and became an adult and i don't have that that um i'm like well i don't have that that infinite free time and also i have i don't know i feels what's what's the least condescending way to say i'm looking for something slightly more Slightly better, meaty, something meaty. Meatier. Right, but I'm, I'm not always. I don't always need a meaty, meaty work. I can enjoy like a breen, <laughs> or just like other it's, like. There's so much meat in a breen, you know. <laughs> Maybe there's too much meat in a breen. All those lap, <laughs> all those laptops, and I, I thought about doing a Halloween costume once where I went as Neil Breen. Have you seen Have you seen Fateful Findings? Oh yes, the yes. like Robo Jesus Neil Breen. Yeah. I, I thought about it. For like, what if I did that? And I got a bunch of old laptops from like a thrift shop, just and I just had them up. right, and I just carried around three laptops with me all day, and just like <laughs> threw them around all over the place, always turned off. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think also it's easy to be tricked because I feel like we are in a true era of arrested development, where adults infinitely watch children's media, and sometimes. Sometimes children's media is children's media for a reason. And I mean, yeah, like I'm not a kids show fan. Like, yeah, I don't know. I can enjoy s- like the nuance in my media, you know. Right, right. I can take one every. I can enjoy some here and there, but because sometimes it's like, oh, this is like f- acceptable for children, but not like for children mm-hmm. if that makes sense yeah it's uh, like the the kind of the adult directed content is kind of like behind a layer or a metaphor where if you're a young innocent kid you're like ah cool yeah and if you're an adult you're like oh it's secretly dark <laughs> <laughs> right right or you were just like yeah, like it's written with a certain kind of like a like they just wrote an adult thing, but they took out all the parts where they have sex and say the f word. Yeah, and they say dang. Or like yeah, glass. yeah, it's yeah. Like I, I remember seeing how. M- and in episode twelve, finally the hero gets to kiss someone on the cheek. Oh, I can't believe it. I, f- I forget who it was. There was a storyboard artist on Adventure Time. They were talking about like I remember them posting about the boards where they just the. I'm trying to place parts where Finn says fuck. It's like, that was their storyboard version of it. They're like, well, we need to find a funnier version. But that show was also like a show of indie like artists and indie comic artists. So that makes sense. Like, Michael DeForge works on that show. 
and like you know Penn Ward is his own thing anyway but that's because I remember watching the Star Wars show because everyone's like oh that Star Wars show is so good and I watched like the first episode I was like this is for literal babies I can't watch this I I haven't watched a Star Wars thing since The Last Jedi because everyone like I got spoiled on how fucking bad whatever the last film was on <laughs> yeah. Twitter and I was yeah. like you know what? I've seen my entire feed melting down about this. I don't think I'm going to watch it. And then I just have not ever, I've not touched a Star War since. I don't think you, when I, I, I remember like I was one of those let's rent Star Wars once a week kind of kids, you know? Mm-hmm. And then when I watched Rogue One, I was like, I don't think I like Star Wars anymore. Like, or not that it was like that bad, but it was more like, oh, I don't have franchise loyalty as it turns out. As you, like a, you haven't sold your soul to Space Disney then. Right. Like it's like, oh, as a concept, I don't think I have any allegiance to this allegiance to the IP. And the last Jedi was such a fake fan, Andrew. I am a fake fan. I'm and I'm like, oh. The last Jedi was good because Ryan Johnson's good. <laughs> I like Brick. Yeah. You know? Knives Out was great. Knives Out was very good. Like, yeah. They, turns out, if you give interest, give interesting directors the ability to make a film, they make more interesting movies. What a surprise! What a surprise! You I give feel, someone the opportunity to make something, and they make something. Yeah, that's. They're, they're, I think they're coming at this. That was a very good quote, but like the executives at disney rediscovering that you can make movies by like shooting them outside or something <laughs> or you know i forgot what it was but they he was like oh look this isn't done this, this is not green screen this is real life that's a real sunset and it's like fuck dude it's like tech bros <laughs> inventing it's like tech dudes inventing hotels yeah oh my god what if we make a kind of long car that lots of people get on and they all go to the same destination that actually and sounds long car. Freya, do you have a um? Uh, do you, you're, are you accepting VC money at this time for this I, long I'll car? I'll VC money. <laughs> I I would like to invest in your long car. Hell yeah! I mean, it's uh, it's gonna explode if it touches a tree, and it'll only <laughs> be able to drive on rails in a very thin tube. Uh, mm, I don't know about this long. Um, <laughs> is, can you? Is it? Can, I will I will sign on if it's long car but spelled L N G C R. Lunker. Oh, but yeah, under- that works for me. Oh, perfect, perfect. I will I will accept you. Listen, here in the U.S., we could use a lot more long cars. <laughs> really? Yeah, actually, I I guess your your long car situation is worse than the the British long car situation, which is but- they exist but they're pricey. Yeah, but also, I mean, to be fair, like, what what is the size of New What is the size of England compared to New England? Like, what what are their size comparisons? I think the same, I think maybe it it's small. Yeah. So, and I mean, being in New England, I don't even have like we don't even have like a good you know train system. I've. You're missing out. I live next to a train line. A steam one. Oh, uh, no. England is 7.7 times as big as New England. New England is literally bigger. 
bigger than before. Yeah. The, the true American way, just, like, make it bigger. Like, we, we did England better. We still have all, like, the bitterness and repression and religious stuff as England, but we're a little bit bigger. That's the American way. To, to, to get to, to take a train in Toronto, which is, I must emphasize, in our flight from where I am, it would take like a um, over a day's long train ride. <laughs> oh boy! Because I have to go like, and that's largely I think because of scheduling. Because I have to go down to New York, and then wait like seven hours, and then go up to Toronto. When I guess I'll just fly everywhere. Just walk. I guess I will just fly every. But, um, I guess we should. Freya, I gotta ask you about um video games. I guess. Oh. What's a video game? What's that's a great question. What's a video game? Oh no, let's not get into that debate. <laughs> how would you define important question? How would you define a as someone who has made so many video games, how would you define a video game? Uh, video games is in the eye of the beholder. Ah, beautiful. I accidentally you made you've made so many video games. In fact, that when I was initially going to like ask you to make a video game, I had missed that you had made a 10 MG game, and I was going to I try, I kind of purposely was trying to avoid commissioning 10 MG artists as well because I didn't want to just like double up too hard. <laughs> Whoops! Turns out when you make a lot of video games, and I just missed the one with the little pill next to it. Yeah, that was us. Yeah, that was fun too. Very different kind of. Oh god, I'm just. I'm so glad you didn't make me make something for Steam. <laughs> no, I, I, you've, I mean, now that I, now that we have this cool launcher, I could probably even put. It's like I could probably put stuff on Steam now. Like more easily. It's not worth it. No, it's I don't so think so. It's not worth it. I don't. I really don't think so. Cause like, can you like, ha? What co- what level of four moderation power do you have on Steam? You have very as as a as a developer, you basically have very little power to do anything on so, Steam. So if someone says post, for instance, post a bad take that I like, I cannot just like ban them from my forums. Uh, I don't know. I don't think so. Maybe. I just I, I I keep Steam at such an arm's length because yeah. I hate it. Also, I also don't really think that Steam would benefit what I do very much, really. No. It seems like a lot of effort for people to tell me that these aren't games. Exactly. I can't believe I paid fifteen dollars for these things. There's not none of them are even games. I mean, like. Think what a kind of badge of honor a very negative review would give you on Steam. <laughs> Truly. As a bragging right. But it's probably not worth it. No. Just but I, I stick do... Stick to good old itch.io. I do need some... I, I do need some real backs of bo- back of box quotes. I don't really have any good ones yet. But, like, none of them have really jumped out at me. The only... Mm. The only bad... Like, my ideal back of box quotes is there. I think it's on... Um, can't remember if it's on See You Next Tuesday or that other one that I forgot the name of off the top of my head, Friends at the Park. But the, the Jane May book, my book, I've never said it out loud, 
that says it's like from Brian Lee O'Malley. It's like I could, I could throw Jane like a pizza, and it's a back of the book quote. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> that, that is good. I like that as a quote. Really, I'm so I'm real sad that this quarantine has eaten into two Toronto Comics Arts and Arts Festivals. And the uh, second one, the second one is currently ongoing. And I was like, man, I love indie comic shows, and I could definitely have gotten into it if it were a physical event, but digital. I am still here at home instead. That oh. is the way. I am basically in the room I have existed in for like fifteen months. Yeah, it just—it <laughs> is fifteen months. I know because. The first indie apocalypse launched before quarantine, and all the rest launched within quarantine. So, sixteen issues in, that's fifteen months of quarantine. It is just like, what's the first non-quarantine issue going to be like? The like touch grass issue. I I don't know. I I well, that's the the thing is though, indie apocalypse being an international publication, um, just be. Not everyone lives in the U.S. who can just buy their way out of quarantine, you know? Mm. While also being so steadfastly dedicated to capitalism that they will just stick their head in the ground and ignore it otherwise. And be like, oh, well, we'll all wear a mask. And then we'll just all go to Disney World still because we're just sick of this. And we must make money. The onward march. Should we, should we steer to a less depressing conversation? What well, you were saying yeah. about video games. Yeah, yeah. We bantered. Right, right. Um, yeah, the first thing, the, the first event that I'm looking forward to is going to that next, the 2022 dates for the Godspeed You Black Emperor concert tour. I'm looking forward to that in my 2022, big time. What, what are you looking forward to in 2020? What's the next thing that you feel like is like your your post-quarantine event that you are most looking forward to there is this one vegan burger shop in bristol where i live that i have been thinking about visiting for months and they still exist they haven't shut down and that's what i've been looking forward to just you know just a really good burger oh perfect i now I want a burger. I should go get a burger. Honestly, after this show, that's the beauty of the two these these two p.m. shows for me is that I can go out and do whatever I want now. Mm-hmm. I still have the whole world. I still have my whole day open to me. But speaking of our whole days, we are actually at the end of our mini day. That is this interview segment. We've hit our 30-minute mark so quickly. Freya, it was gl- great to talk to you. I will see you again in an hour or so. See but you in an hour, Andrew. Thank you for being here. We're going to go as soon as I find um, FUBAR in my pile of windows. We are going to go to break. Thank you. I'll be back in 3 minutes and 25 seconds. Hello and welcome back to Indie Apocalypse Radio. That was Mattress Disco by Headboard as part of my um, Giant Bob Memorial playlist. R.I.P. 
to a real one. We are here with Murillo. Oh no, I forgot Murillo. how to say it. Murillo. It's yes. Murillo. Murillo. It's because I threw myself off because in my mind, how I would say it, that has an E in it. Murillo, welcome. You may know him from issue two of Indiepocalypse with Arrows Left. Hello. Hello. That, that was a long time ago. We that was. <laughs> you might say that was 14 months ago. That was the times before, and I know that. Yeah, that was before the lockdown for sure, because we met at PAX. Yes, uh, when I met at PAX, and I had the, that was like the PAX was PAX East was the launch of Indiepocalypse One. Correct. Yeah. And I had grand ambitions to bring PAX. Like I was, I mean, the part of the reason that the that the zine part of Indiepocalypse exists was that it's very easy to bring to shows. Without me having yeah. to demo, say, for instance, like 170 games at this point. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Definitely things were, uh, but I think that was a big thing, at least for me. Just just before this podcast, I was playtesting a friend's game that I also met at PAX. Yeah. And a lot of things, a lot of things happened since like 2020 was, I had, I also had grand ambitions for 2020. That was yeah. Started with PAX East and a lot of events that I was going to go. But then, well... The right. World changed, right, and everything started getting canceled. Yeah, the yeah, PAX East was still like people were like, hey, you know, haha, wash your hands a little bit more. I'm not I gonna remember, touch, right? Right, I'm not gonna touch my face. Hee <laughs> hee. Then yeah, then everything, everything. Yeah, just going back from that trip is when uh, things we everyone started realizing mm, this is this is getting serious right uh it was right at pax that gdc got canceled for example yeah and i know you're pretty anti-gdc if i remember correctly like wasn't in apocalypse like you were really like oh indies that didn't make gdc or oh yeah that, i think that was like back when i still had ambitions of themed um issues back when beggars couldn't be choose back when i thought when i thought i was a chooser not a beggar you know so uh, number one was uh, made in Boston. If I'm, yeah, if I correct. Right or made in Massachusetts, but yeah, yeah, close enough to Boston. When you when you when you when you break it all out, yeah. And issue two was going to be like not going to GDC, but then nobody went to GDC. Exactly. I I am still on the record as being fiercely anti-GDC for independent developers. I think GDC is a trade convention for large companies. I think that sentiment grew a lot and like I'm a little bit guilty of wanting to go to GDC as well, if nothing else, because a lot of the, I don't know, industry and game design knowledge yeah. that I acquired came from the GDC vault in those videos because they can be really, really good. But even from the sentiment of people that have been to GDC, because I think people are not necessarily paid, speakers are not necessarily paid and there's a lot, uh, and especially right. when the GDC summer, I think for last year came out and the prices came out. and we would see what speakers would be paid and stuff like this. And then people really got against it. Yeah, the, the, the very idea that a speaker wouldn't be paid at all, it seems absurd for like something that charges just so much money. Correct. Yeah, and being at PAX, I remember thinking like 2020 is the game is a day because I wasn't in the games industry yet. Yeah. And I thought to myself like, Hey, 2020 is the year, the year that I'm going to make, I'm going to make it, I'm going to break it. I've been working for 2019, like just as a software developer. And I'm like, Hey, making games like for game jams here and there, like Arrow's left was one of those. 
and thinking like 20, 2020 is going to be the year. And then I just, on a whim, I decided, okay, let me check how much it is to go to GDC because I knew it was coming up. And I thought, okay, I can't afford this. Like, <laughs> I can't afford being being in the region, right? Let's say I didn't want to attend to the things, but I just wanted to like crash the bars and just talk to people like, I can't afford this. Yeah. And then I look at PAX and I was like, oh, that's much closer. I have a shitty ass car that I can maybe drive there and get alive. And I made the math, I'm like, hmm, not worth it. Not worth the risk of maybe dying on the road. So I took the Greyhound and then PAX was awesome. That was awesome. Like every every year you were talking to Frey about things looking forward in 2022. Yeah. Oh, well, if things are better uh, in 2022, everyone's vaccinated and things are back control. I'm looking forward to go to PAX if that happens. Yes, I am, I am officially double shotted at this moment. And I- Oh, that's congratulations. I, I've, it's a weird feeling. It's like I just speed ran a fever to make, to help out the gamers to understand it and who are afraid of side effects. It's basically like, you're like, wow, I feel really sick. And then the next day you're like, oh wait, I feel fine. What am I talking about? Yeah. The people feel different things. My parents yeah. got their first uh, dose. I mean, I'm in Canada, in Ontario, and we're a little bit behind the U.S. I think things are huh. better now. Yeah, better well, now. I mean, once again, the U.S. spends their way into every problem solution they can get, that, you know? Well, when they when they set their minds to it, right? Yeah. Because when they don't want to do even that, then things are really bad. Yeah. But then eventually, yeah, that's the beauty of America is it just has fucking so much too many resources that it doesn't share with anyone else and just keeps using them all well at least uh didn't it recently uh get announced that at least i don't know if it's an official statement or something there is a uh some countries are in favor of yeah. uh, breaking the patent for the vaccines and the u.s was against but now the yeah, u.s is in favor which is yeah. great news canada is still undecided come on we gotta get our shit together right this is unacceptable i mean i think aren't they, aren't most of them made it like at least the major ones made in the u.s anyway so i'm sure hopefully that'll mean that they are that don't make that don't mean that they can like speed that up a little. I don't know. I just want everyone to get vaccinated. Things are things are bad. I'm not even just talking for Canada, right? I'm thinking yeah. it is a global pandemic. Like we have to deal with everyone. It's everyone's problems. Right, right. We just need to just spread it all over the place. We got enough people in the U.S. who think the vaccine are going to give you microchips, so that. Man, yeah, isn't it? Isn't it? Uh, looking back in time, can you imagine like going to 2018 with the <laughs> and like, hey, you know what's going to be the biggest challenge? It's not going to be like figuring out the vaccine or the distribution. It's going to be convincing people that having a vaccine is okay and right. it's help save lives. And it's your duty in a way. Yeah. Yeah, that's let's listen. Listen, that's listen. I'm. We had enough COVID talk on this show. I'm sick of COVID. Sorry about that. No, that's, it's, you know, that's, it's on everyone's mind, you know? It brings us all there. Yeah, choose a topic. Go ahead. Yeah, it's, it's a, it's it's a thing that everyone thinks about. It's a thing that keeps people, it's our, very much our collective, (laughs) it's, it's our, it's our collective touchstone in a world where, Everything gets delayed. It's like this is our pop culture is COVID. Yeah. But you know what else is? Video games. Do you want to talk uh, about video games? I guess so. What do you think about video games? Uh, they're good. I think people are ne- negative about game. I, maybe because of privilege, but also because I try to like, uh, you guys are talking before about blocking people on Twitter. Like I, I yeah. usually just 
try to trim my feed so I never see that kind of thing. I think something right. that really helps is that I I have to you have to fight with Twitter to allow a setting that doesn't doesn't let Twitter sort on its own terms what yeah. it's going to show you, right? So if you select it to like uh, to display it by time, Twitter will automatically switch that back to you. And you have to keep fighting with it until it gives up, which is what happened to me. Uh, I use TweetDeck. That's my secret. Yeah, I've heard people do this. I tried and I, I just couldn't uh, get used to it. But anyway, I just try to filter social networks as much as possible so I just don't get the brunt of it. So yeah, gamers are bad but i try not to be too negative there are enough negative things in the world so i try to be positive so yeah video games are good my definition of video games is very lax as well yeah it was nice getting itch mentioned on a court case <laughs> oh uh, yeah it says the hum of sky scum and villainy that it is it's nice because I, I didn't I wasn't around for DeviantArt or well, I can't draw for shit right uh, I wasn't around too much for Newgrounds and the Flash era so Twitch is kind of my haven of, yeah of game. this is my this is my time when I can do this and I like I go into it on itch and I try to find I don't know games to try people to to check it out uh, people to follow so getting itch even mentioned by people who didn't you know existed even if it's though even if it's a exaggerated bad reputation like this it's still like everyone's like nah itch is awesome it just prompted a wave of twitch itch appreciation around which was interesting yeah it's good it's good to bring a new era of smut to people who didn't who weren't around for kramer's hentai adventure <laughs> which you know the, the true late night classics for all the teens on new grounds and you know i i've thought about like as a bonus issue a real real raunchy like smut filled version of indie apocalypse but like i've only had one game that was submitted and like i i had that moment was like huh this is a um a smut game as it were as you would call it a pornographic game and i was like well it's also just like fine it's very middle of the road I mean, I own copies of Smut Peddler, you know? Collecting, like, physical copies? There are the, you know, the Iron, there's an Iron Circus. The comics publisher put out a, um, a comic group called Smut Peddler. They're just, like, they're just, you know, they're erotica. I have no issue with erotica, but, like, it just wasn't very good. and Or not very good. That's, that's unfair. It's just very, very middle of the road. And that, that mixed with, like, having to navigate well there's this one game in here that has sex in it um have you ever heard of a probably a web comic cut oglaf oh yeah oglaf is good oglaf is good stuff like it was super uh i saw the web comic first like the safer work version of the comic i'm like oh man this is really funny it's making fun of like uh, D D and tropes and all that and then you go navigate the website and it's just hey suddenly a lot of sex yeah okay yeah, yeah, yeah. This guy jerked off, and then is he turned into a candle and ran away or something. But yeah, no, I've trying to like. I mean, I imagine people are going to start making a lot of it very like based off that court case. But, oh, on purpose. Yeah. Uh, get, that's get, a good point. People are going to get real dirty, real, real quickly. Like, let their horny unlock their horny limiters and go full so- on. 
And uh, I, someone used the filter and tried to do the math of like what percentage of games actually have like sex or nudity or easy yeah. plus or anything like this on itch, and it was like zero point. I'm not gonna quote the number, but it was less than one percent. Yeah, but I bet they make a lot of. Lot, there's a lot of money in that. There's a lot of money in horny. People will pay good bucks for the horny. Man, on on Steam, I think at some point, like I gradually use Steam less and less. Yeah. Every every year, right? And one of the things is I would open the Steam page, and again, nothing against people who want to play erotic games and all that. It's just not my, my my thing, right? Right. But the amount of them that would get featured in my page, like right right up front, all the time, I'm like, okay, like it just turned me off a little bit. But then what really happened for me to stop using uh, Twitch. Oh, uh, Steam was itch because hey, if I can buy the same game on itch, I'll buy right. it on itch. Yeah, exactly. Right. It, it's you get that DRM free, which is always a plus. I can't believe we've lulled ourselves into a beautiful world DRM. I'll say for the chat, I there's like three or four unspeakable jams at this point out out there. I yeah, there's a, people were very quick to jump onto that that idea. And there's oh, what? Like, Say that again. Those like unspeakable, unmentionable games. There's like three or four jams that people have already made on itch. Oh yeah. People oh. are people are people are ready. People are ready to go. People, people are fast. Okay, yeah, the internet's fast. Never never underestimate the, the ability of the internet to make porn. That's right. A, exactly. I think that's a rule of the universe, right? Yeah. Cause zero thermodynamics, and then you have the ability of the internet to make porn. Yeah, people are ready to go at the drop of a hat and i you know what i applaud it's it's all it's listen it's a very complicated web you know of navigating listen it's all it's all very messy and this i don't know if i this show is serious enough to really break down how i approach and how one approaches erotica versus pornography versus what feels gross versus what doesn't feel gross versus whatever i have you know anyway are you there for the story or like are you there for the porn are you there for it's it's like if you're just there for the pornography you can just find that on the internet you don't have to play eight hours of a game or whatever oh man i think that applies to going back to this i think that applies to many games in some ways i was just watching a video i'm gonna upset a lot of people right now yeah uh if a lot of people are listening, I was just watching a video, uh, a literary, literary, literary analysis. Man, I can't pronounce that. Literary. Star Wars 1 and 2, uh, yeah. KOTOR games, KOTOR 1 and 2. Yeah. And by a guy called uh, Noah Kedewal Gvez, they're really like on YouTube. And essentially, remember, have you played those games, KOTOR I, 1 or 2? I have, yes. So essentially, everyone knows like KOTOR 2 has some good philosophy and some good stuff, and I don't want to spoil anything, but... The game is such a mess to play. It's so bad to play. Like it's, <laughs> I understand. I understand the crunch development and how development was bad. But like it doesn't. Is what you said. Oh, are people there for the porn? And then they watch. Uh, they have to play a shitty game for eight hours for the porn. This is how I feel about culture too. Like there's a lot here that is not gameplay that people want. But then people have to endure the gameplay to get to it. Yeah. So it's like I at that point you just watch like a like a cutscene. Do you just watch somebody play the game? I mean, that's really like my approach to... I have a deep affection for FMV games, but I don't really want to play them. 
Same with like adventure games in general, I think. What's your favorite one? Like, what's one do you remember playing? Oh, uh, I'll, I'll probably not know, but did I remember? See, I the thing is, I don't like I said that I remember playing. I don't really know. I my maybe my favorite adventure game that I've played is maybe the first Broken Sword. I think. See, I don't even know what game that is. Let me yeah. I feel like that's one of the very few that I've like actually played is that first Broken Sword, and Does like Miscount? I, yeah, Mist is an adventure game, I'd say. Yeah, Unless, that's, that's probably that's probably one that I've played. Yeah, because it's either that or like it's an it's his own genre, one of the two. But okay, that's a fair point. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's not a pixel hunt game, but yeah. it's an adventure game. You're right. Yeah, but so yeah, that would count. I, maybe I want to play like I, I even backed that like new Broken Sword, even though I hadn't played any of like the five games in between or whatever. And it's one of the few yeah. video game kickstarters that ever. Actually, the only video game kickstarters that ever delivered were that and Broken Age. So there's either the Broken Connection or the Adventure Game Connections. Oh, so you're saying like the intersection between Kickstarters that delivered yeah. and adventure games is this small? Because right. I haven't followed up on a lot of adventure games. Yeah. I know a lot of Kickstarter that delivered. Oh, I well. listen. I like those. I think those are the only two Kickstarter video games that actually came out. I only kickstart comic books at this point because I know <laughs> they'll deliver because they're basically. I'm just basically just paying for printing costs. That's that's a very valid point because I've also been following a lot of Kickstarters that are like tabletop RPGs and yeah. stuff like this. And the the ratio that these came out is like it's ridiculous, right? Like it's pretty much guaranteed. It's like you said, you're just paying for the printing costs, maybe the editing, maybe some of the uh, some of the art, right? But it's essentially done. So yeah. they come where where video games, it's like here's a prototype. It right. has varying levels. So right. We have someone with most of the game. Right. We're super under we're super underselling our budget. Because, yeah, or like we're understanding that these people are also working, clearly working full-time jobs inside of video games because there's no way you can make a video game for like $80,000. That's super, ch- that doesn't pay anyone's salary for, that pays like, unless you're living in like a really low rent, low cost of living, right? low cost of living area, that's like, maybe my, maybe my brain is just skewed living in one like the highest costs areas of a very rich country is that i'm like oh that's everything's so expensive and maybe really if you were living not in say for instance massachusetts united states it's a lot cheaper to live so i live in a city where the cost of living is not that high and my my rent's relatively cheap and i share with my partner right and you said 80 80, right yeah uh if i could draw and i could pay someone for the music I could release a game that was like I'm speaking out of my ass here, but let me let me do the quick math here. Honestly, I could do one year of development on this and release a game. Would it be good? I don't know. Right. But I could right. release a game on eighty thousand. Would it be yeah. something that people would kickstart? Probably not. Yeah. I, mean, game. I could make a game on eighty thousand, but like I'm not a team of five people, you know. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. That's I think that's uh, this is where indies really get the bullet in the head. Yeah. Where it's one thing that the more people you put into a team for specialization, the harder it gets to make the the returning investment, right? Uh, you get a, a, another person. Let's say you're a team of one person who can do everything great. You're the guy who did Stardew Valley. It took six years to make the game, but hey, he only had to feed feed himself, right? 
Right. Uh, but if you put a second person, now you're asking to have to sell twice as many copies to make even break even, right? Yeah. So it's a really right. hard proposition when you start with like, oh, my indie studio has four people. And I'm like, God damn. Yeah. It's like, like what kind of maniac would publish something that has 11 people that need to get paid in it, right? Yeah. Well, I can't drop for shit and I wish I could do music and I can't, but I'm yeah. trying to learn those things so I don't run into the situation so I can do something that is like, hey, this is decent and yeah. I can program. So here's a game. I like to do writing. Uh, this is actually something that Jeff Vogel mentions. He's a guy who makes a, I don't know, a 20, 30 year long series of uh, CRPGs. The games look like shit. Have you ever seen any of those games? What are they Avernum? called? What are they called? Uh, uh, sk- check Avernum. Uh, or oh, I know Avernum. Okay. Yeah, yeah, right. They look terrible. Like, and I they love do. RPGs. And he does, he knows that they look terrible. And he talks about it and why they look terrible. But he's like, hey, I just try to sell on the other uh, on content or on the writing, right? And that's what people play. Uh, I want to do something like this. I want to do what people, uh, Xavier, a guy on, I forgot, he did uh, Air Dog, uh, Ford, Dog Airport something. Yeah. And he, he talks about making pizza money games. Like you just send, spend two months making a small game and maybe it makes 20 bucks, maybe he makes 100, but he pays for pizza and uh, you're satisfied to have him put something out in the game. So. Those are my current plans. Yeah, we. I think there. I mean, surprising no one. I think there needs to be more small-scale development, and more. We need more. You know, we need more video game EPs. What we, do you mean EPs? Um, you know the uh, the records that are extended plays, as it were, that are like four tracks long, shorter than an LP, which is usually oh. like, you know, a full record. Basically. Yeah, Shorter versions. You gotta teach these kids about music. You do. I'm sorry. I also come. Uh, I grew up in Rio, right? In yeah. Brazil, so uh, cultural differences. Right. Yes. Yes. <laughs> no, but yeah, I agree. Like even just even double A or indie games. I think I I I want games to be shorter. I don't want longer games. If yeah. a game advertises over a hundred hours of gameplay, and I'm like, Jesus, no. Yeah. I I have I games. Want, I don't have hours. <laughs> I have games that require over 100 hours of gameplay, and I call it Magic the Gathering. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, the worst part is that in my current list, I have a bunch of long games to play, yeah. like Persona 5 or yeah. Nier, and I was like... Mm, oh, okay. It. Like Nier 1? Like original No, Nier? I think... Uh, Automa- so I don't even know. Like I know there's Nier 1, and yeah. then there is Automata. Automata, yeah. I don't know how you want to say Automata. it. Automata. There's several, there's several other versions of it. Yeah, right? there's At least yeah. one more version. I don't know which one to play. I don't know what Replicant changes about Nier. I like, listen, I have not played Automata. I have not played Replicant. I utterly adore the, orig- the original Nier, and it's weird to see people praise Replicant. It feels like revisionist history that people uh, are, are suddenly into the original Nier. It, seems, it uh, feels like people, like, the culture has shifted. I don't know if. If people realize how smart that game is now, or if people are just like hopping on the near bandwagon, it feels yeah, so really weird. Work sometimes, right? Yeah. People don't like it at the time, but then in the future they come to appreciate. Yeah. How can someone play the original nowadays? I remember yeah. you needed a PS2 or PS3. No, that was a, that was like a 360 PS3 era game. Yeah. Do yeah. you need one of those two uh, consoles to play? There's no PC port of any kind? I don't believe so. I think, listen, I, the problem with Replicant, it doesn't have the dad, dad near, and I like dad near. But, yeah, it's the dad near. Me. Yeah. But I, I know very little of it. 
it's it's a like, it's a very cool game really like it's so fascinating kind of like of itself and very little else the boars drift in that game so i'm always interested in games that have a certain cult following not because i want to be a hipster just because that game must be doing something that other games are not yes so let me give an example if i already uh trash talked kotor 2 and people are gonna hate me there's a game that i think is i'm gonna preface saying i think the game is good is i just hate it i don't like it yeah and i like parts of it but i don't like i just had a terrible time playing which is undertale yeah because the game is really good the music's great the representation is awesome but I just didn't like the humor. Yeah. And, and I think there's uh, one thing of the game that uh, it requires multiple playthroughs, which I usually don't. I don't usually have time for several playthroughs. But to make it worse, for some of the paths that are on the, the normal path, you have to go out of your way to unlock those paths, right? Right. It's very hard to get them naturally. You have to almost to uh, Google how to do it. You have to follow a guide and how to unlock those paths. And that detracts from me. The experience. Oh. And I'm like, uh uh-huh. Here's my here's my hot tip. Only play one path Go. in the game, unless it like it turns out you won't lose very much. Because really, in life, you won't lose very much if you never played that game in the first place. So really, you won't lose very much if you only play the one path, and then it just becomes your canonical path. Yeah, that's kind of what I did. But, yeah, uh, I still like the soundtrack a lot. But yeah, and this is I genuinely I I know people like this game. They like it a lot, and I can see why. Right. Uh, and this is one of the games. I'm still happy. I. It's kind of weird to say this. I hated my time playing it, but I'm still happy I played it. If that makes sense. Yeah. No. Listen. I. It has a very specific style of humor, and I feel like it's not like if one joke. Like, I think it's possible for a joke to not land, but if a joke doesn't land because you just don't like that style of humor, I don't think any of the jokes in that thing will land. Exactly. Exactly. It, which is what I told my friend. Like, humor is very personal, right? Like, it's a. Uh, it either lands or not. It doesn't work. It's not like a movement mechanic or the music or, or I don't know, the graphics, which have are more graded. The humor is, if it's not there, it's not there. Uh, I have a lot of people who would tell me that Dragon's Dogma plays like shit that would argue that movement mechanics are more... Um, what's that word like for objective movement i think those no, I, think, I think they're objective just not as binary right i think i think they can be um everything is has that fluidity to it and i think gamers get too hot caught up in what can be objective and i don't think any parts of a game are objective i think everything i don't think there is like this moves good this sounds good this whatever unless i mean unless you're talking about like whether it's crackly and distorted and it sounds like a, but also that could sound good anyway um as we end our time here so soon i have to ask you amarillo what is your favorite cult game in that case then my favorite cult game like it has to be underrated or i don't like the term underrated because i feel like that's just underrated is for people who just want to show off you know but uh, um, but for something that you th- you think would fall into the cult games category, it gets better over time, right? Or it's like, uh, it, or it has like a very singular voice that draws people to it. I think cult is a in itself is like a broad descriptor. It just means that as a small, I think cult basically is a smaller, passionate following. Man, that's gonna be hard. 
because I'm, I'm drawing a bunch of things and I'm like, they're not necessarily unique. I thought like, for example, back when CD Projekt, everyone loved it because of The Witcher 3, people said, I love The Witcher 1. Yeah. That's not, that's not a very unique, it doesn't have a voice. Uh, actually, Papers, please, go. There you go. Okay, perfect. Thank you. And with that, we are going to go on our break. Thank you. We will be back in two minutes and 17 seconds, give or take. Thanks again. Apocalypse Radio. That was Midnight Brown with Cat Belt Buckle. Um, we are here with our next guest, who you may remember from Indie Apocalypse, also issue 15 with the Escape from Tomb of Apep. That is Jorge. Hello, Jorge. Hi, how are you doing? <laughs> I am doing good. I am doing great. Um, now, I got to ask you, finally, I can ask this, this, this question, the important Indie Apocalypse Radio question, which is, how did you hear about Indie Apocalypse? Oh, how I heard about Indie Apocalypse? Um, yeah. I actually, I think I heard something about Indie Apocalypse at some point before even thinking about making my own games. And I, like, let's say I checked the aesthetics, the covers of Indie <laughs> Apocalypse and so on. <laughs> I thought, oh, this is cool. And... Uh, to be brutally honest, I then forget about it. And at some point, when I started with this uh, game making, it came back from from the depths of my <laughs> mind and thought, like, maybe I could be part of this. Let's see. But I, I don't know. I, I think I, I heard from someone I know on Twitter. I'm not sure, actually. Okay. That's, I mean, that's good to hear, especially the part of, I forgot about it for a very long time. <laughs> Which I kind of, I got to figure well, out. It's so long because uh, it's, the apocalypse is not so, so old itself. I mean, well, but, yeah, for some time I forgot about it and in, then it came back naturally. Yeah. Not so long. You say that now, but it's been going for 16 months. It's, yeah, well, it's actually it's successful fancying. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Yes, it's surprisingly long, surprisingly long lived. Yeah, I guess you you couldn't bet it would be so so long lived and so many people interested in it when you first started. No, well, I well the thing is, it was always like a um, something that. I could. I knew I could yeah. sustain forever, basically, because yeah. I, w I was funding it in place of paying for student loans in my car. So instead of paying for those, I in instead started paying for Indiepocalypse. So theoretically, yeah. I so long as I could find people, I could have sustained it forever. But it's nice that people are also, like, coming. Like, now I, I no longer want for submissions. I have tw I have yeah. more people than I could ever need at this point. It's it's crazy because I actually the fun thing, one of the fun things about an apocalypse is uh, that you don't know what to expect from the different games on its issue. It's like a surprise surprise and <laughs> I love that. Yeah, yeah, there <laughs> I try to, 
with each issue, I try my best to kind of create a a wide variety. I think what what is my what is my good my good like log line? It's like to show the depth and breadth of indie games or something. Basically, you know, there's a lot of stuff, and I want people to see all that stuff. Yeah, you've been successful successful on that. I think it's quite all right and. I know about this in the game environment is that you can just tell the story you want. You can uh, send a message. You can do something just for fun. Yeah. It might be just only fun for you and <laughs> anyone else would appreciate it. I don't know. But, yeah, it was just... As long as maybe like two other people appreciate it, that's that's something, you know. <laughs> but it it gives us so many opportunities that uh, we couldn't think of them uh, not so long ago. And yeah, uh, I love that. Yeah, even yeah. if our games are unspeakable, but uh, okay, we can deal with that. Right. Yeah. Even like because you, I believe you made your game in GB Studio, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which, which it is with that itself is fairly new, I think, right? Sorry, can you can you repeat, please? Is that itself is fairly new? GB yes, Studio I think is. So. I think so. Um, well, the thing is, uh, I I I have no coding skills. Uh, I'm trying to learn now about it, but. Uh, I'm not even a hardcore gamer, right? A casual gamer, let's say. And uh, oh, at some what? Point, Listen, I'm gonna have to. Sorry, 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 Jorge. I'm gonna have to kick you from the call. We don't allow casuals on Indiepocalypse Radio. We are only the truest gamers in these parts. We have to, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you have to properly present your gamer credentials at the door, lest you be removed. Okay, point, point taking. <laughs> <laughs> no, but no, actually, I think that's like very important that, you know, this democratization of games having such like a, yeah. such a huge, like his coding is such like a bigger, I mean, all art has a, you know, like a barrier to it because all art has a technical skill required, but. Yeah, not, sorry. Huh? It, the thing is, uh, speaking about GB Studio, uh, I think it's having a great part on this uh, democratization because, well, I, mean, I was, I was, I became interested in game development. I was looking at different engines, different options I could try, and when I came across GB Studio, uh, it was crazy because I grew up using <laughs> Game Boy and I loved it at first sight. You don't even need coding skills. So yeah okay let's try this and i was surprised that there is a very healthy and a very it's a very there is an amazing community on gb studio uh, everyone is helping each other and oh, uh, i i really enjoyed it now i'm making my second game on gb studio which is far more complex than escape from the tomb of a pet but yeah, I'm. It's a very enjoyable tool, and yeah, but you have to. The thing is, you have to make that first step. You know, you have to start somewhere. 
So like you have to realize that, oh, I can make something in GB Studio and I can like, yeah. turns out making a game is actually not, listen, I guess, you know, making a game is in fact easy, but like finishing a game or being satisfied with a game is the hard part. But that's also just like art, you know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> that is not unique to game design is being satisfied with the output. Yeah, well, uh, I'm very happy with the, <laughs> the output. I consider myself more a, a writer or a storyteller than yeah. anything else. And uh, even if my game story is extremely simple, um, some people, and uh, by some people, I don't mean my friends or my mom, <laughs> told me, well, this is fun. I've, en I've enjoyed playing it. So I'm <laughs> really satisfied. I started out as an experiment, like, let's see what I can do here. And, yeah, and now I'm here, and I'm very happy to be here. <laughs> yeah, listen, it's... I in apocalypse hopes to seeks to get people who is like is this from absolute beginners to people who have been toiling away for years upon years because really all games are good and it's all about finding a variety of skill sets and what's the word I'm looking for like stylistic approaches and you know it's also neat to just have games in multiple languages. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well um uh, that's really? my I, uh, yeah that's my job and yeah really not? but yeah it, it's great that uh, we can enjoy this but people from many different backgrounds and telling different messages and yeah to talk about styles of course because right <laughs> Yeah, there's like there's a lot of like even from like listen even from like town to town there are these like ing I'm sure there are countless bits of ingrained culture that people are probably completely unaware of that get expressed through their work. Never mind like across countries. So I think it's yeah. always important to get as like a a wider swath as people as you can get to kind of like get a wide swath of ideas as you can possibly find because you know you need as many people as there are to be yeah definitely in the zine definitely i agree and then i i think you've mentioned something very interesting here because uh you were talking about quarantine and corona earlier and so on and uh this indie game environment has been, I think, for me and for many people, also like a great open strategy sometimes. Just like, uh, I don't know, for me, like entering each and just messing around, let's see what I can find, let's see if I find something interesting. Interesting, sorry, and uh, sometimes not doing it and just playing some 
happy game because yeah. of course it happens. Uh, it helps. I don't. I don't know yeah. how to say it, but uh, it it's really helpful sometimes uh, when when you are dealing with anxiety and many different issues, which I guess many of us have uh, had this last year. Just being able to do that, it's amazing, really. Yeah, it's, it's like... It's so simple. It's just something so simple that can help a lot. Yeah, people have definitely adapted to, like, well, we have to find a way to, like, socialize when nobody can go to events, nobody can go outside, nobody can meet up in groups. Well, how does anybody talk to anyone else? How does anybody meet anyone else? How does anyone do anything? And if you don't like, if you don't enjoy sitting around in your house all day not talking to anybody, which I will be fair, even though I host a radio show, I do often enjoy doing that. But that is kind of like my preferred. I like to keep to myself for the vast majority of time. But I like specialized events such as this to like go out. And I think, you know, itch can, even if you're not like using the forums, which I don't, honestly, it feels like nobody uses those forums, but like it still creates like a sense of community to like just, just to see other people making stuff even if you aren't like directly interacting with them creates yeah, like well, a... but even if you are not taking part in the forums or if you are not looking for a community you can just uh, sometimes you feel like shit and, yeah uh, you can you can just go there let's try to find something i like or even something i don't like and uh, <laughs> evade from reality for a while and uh, actually that's uh, that's a strategy that that's not a strategy a strategy but for me it's something it helped and also i found some hidden gems <laughs> i really enjoyed playing like years ago yeah yeah i better games than than some of the best games i played in the last years i found them like this like just browsing the place and let's try something oh this looks good i don't know i don't yeah, know if I... this makes sense at all but... <laughs> no no it's true because like as it turns out like the quality of something is not really related at all to you know the relative amount of attention given to it so it's entirely possible for something to be completely like on i mean a hidden gem is like they're not hidden just nobody's looking at them so it's not weird to like just be like browsing through itch randomly and suddenly find something that you had never seen before and it's like wow this is amazing and then Plenty of the people who have been in, in Indie Apocalypse have, like, as far as I can tell, little to no following. But it doesn't make their games bad. I mean, a lot of the people are going to be like, wow, these games are amazing. Why isn't anyone paying attention to them? But also, you know. 
I, I, Indie Apocalypse itself, I don't think ever really hits like a thousand views or whatever, you know? Yes, of course. So it's very much, you know, it's all very small, but it's small scale in a way that I think you need to like, people need to get out of the zeitgeist. We need to really step away from it and just close yourself off from it and take that pop culture and throw it out the window you don't need it just mm. go i mean except for indie apocalypse put indie apocalypse in your zeitgeist make that the new zeitgeist have your discourse about it and your it fits so comfortably in all if all indie game discourse our indie games art fits into there fits into payment fits into all these sorts of fun discussions of whatever i think it hits like every every major discourse piece so really um bring it in there with you but yeah there's there's a lot to be said for just like being able to browse and find things that you would have otherwise never thought about yeah i love that and and i love that this is small actually it's something we need and uh Traditionally, I don't think uh, it has been so common in video games. Something like, of course, there is there. There always have been indies. There always have been uh, small games or small communities. Yeah. Um, but right now, uh, it's exploding. Well, it has been for some years now, and. Uh, of course, I love that there are some indie games that succeed commercially. That's amazing. But uh, also that there are so many uh, small-scale games, communities, um, anthologies like in the Apocalypse. I don't know. I, I think that's very healthy for this uh, environment. That's... that's that will enrich the whole community always yeah uh, where there isn't a small scale part of, of something i don't mind that they what are we are talking about we can talk about games uh, books or whatever i it's the same it's all the same where there isn't a, a small scale community the community can be big, but I mean, people doing small scale things. Uh, there's always something missing because it's so enriching both for small uh, developers or small studios and also for big ones who maybe have the the, the money and many <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> they can yeah. There's many things we cannot. Yeah, I think I think there is also there. like a uh, a a uh, an, an illusion of smallness with some with some things where <laughs> small they're small relative to like for instance like say a large corporation with a hundred million dollar budget they only have a they only have a one million dollar budget you know as opposed to when you get really small scale and they have like for instance a zero dollar budget their budget is the same thing as all the rest of the money they have 
<laughs> yeah. yeah, well, they, they have their own restrictions. Yeah. Uh, usually narrative or, yeah, they, they have their own expectations they have to meet and they're free. Yeah, I, I do not have a budget, for instance. My budget is basically, well, how much money do I have? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The only thing we have to deal with are haters and uh, right. trolls, let's say. And if, and, if I run, and if I run out of it, well, well, well goodbye to this. But I hope I don't see that happening, foreseeably, at least. Because yeah. if that happens... There's a lot worse going on in my life that Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> than than not being able to do any podcast. I'm like, well that's that's a that's a that's collateral damage but not the main issue here. Yeah, like this is not a game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's there's other stuff going on in that case. You can definitely live with that, yeah. <laughs> right. But any who's, um, I've got, let me do, as I, as a customary with the last guest, I have to do my last minute. Okay. I just had to do my last minute question. Refresh as is customary with my final guest at this point. And there are as unsurprisingly zero new questions, but, um, Mm -hmm. We don't need new questions here. I can provide all of the questions we need to have. Like, for instance, Jorge, if you were to ask a question and leave in a submission box, what would it be? Excuse me? Sorry? Oh, never mind. It was a bad question. Um, oh, no, 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 no. No, no, it was, no. It was very in the moment, and now the moment has vanished. But um, aside from that, so you do you remember any of the hidden gems you had come across, or is like are they kind of like occupied a very like uh, um, passing nature in your brain? Well, um, I can remember a small. Yes, I th- I think I at some point I came across a small strategy game. Uh, with uh, well, it, it was a demo actually of an uh, upcoming bigger game, I think. But it it worked as a game itself, and uh, it was called uh, Winter Falling. I think I'm looking for it. It was Winter Falling, and it's probably not so hidden. But uh, I loved playing that. An original strategy game, and um, really enjoyed it. Well, I would say, considering it has, it's on Steam with a whopping no user reviews. Oh, I would. <laughs> I, I, would I, I came across it in each, and yeah, it, yeah. It's it. It's got forty-five reviews there. It was a demo, actually. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, maybe. Um, the, um, so I would, I would definitely classify that as a hidden gem. Oh well, um, let me see. Because I'm so bad at uh, names. Yeah. 
Oh, well, I, I have to say uh, there are, when I started uh, researching this GB Studio uh, community, I found some great, great games. And there is a guy uh, called uh, Horatiu who has uh, two GB Studio games. And the names are It's a Root. I have actually translated that game to Spanish. <laughs> I okay. Collaborated with him. <laughs> now, how, uh, how how complicated yeah, is, is doing that in GB Sorry? Studio? Um, well, it's uh, what what we did was uh, copying all the the text strings to an Excel spreadsheet, and I worked there, and then. Uh, he could uh, copy paste them back in GB Studio, so it was quite simple. The thing is, it has uh, length restrictions, so that was the difficult part. Uh, we had to, of course, we you can always add more text, but you don't want to to come up with uh, a, a novel or <laughs> the Bible. It's just a Game Boy game, so yeah. And uh, Spanish is usually longer than English, so that was the difficult part, uh, trying to keep it short and sweet. Right. But anyway, his his games are great. He has these Bitterroot and Neighbor. Uh, they are horror games, uh, quite narrative, and uh, I love them. I love them, and the art is great. This guy is uh, really amazing. His pixel art is so cool yeah especially since you know if you're working in gb studio you are very like beholden to like the actual limitations not like the fake limitations you know of like (laughs) because i i mean i deal in fake limitations because i work in game maker so i don't actually let me yeah 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 so I like so if I'm gonna make a game if I'm gonna make like for instance my fake ZX Garth Marenghi game, I am like I am like clicking on a sprite and setting my ZX like yeah. color palette, but like and I'm doing the right resolutions and doing that wild ass control scheme that the ZX had, which is like QA OP or something like that. <laughs> Whatever it's, whatever wild control scheme it used to have, I thought it was so confusing when I looked it up. But you know, to each their own, I guess. This computer, like like PC controls, were were real wild there for a long time. You have to like yeah activate activate combat mode and go to the numpad and use all your a bunch of weird stuff. Yeah. Before everything was very like, um, kind of. What's the word I'm looking for? I don't want to say stabilize, but it's um. What's what's the what's the what's the word I'm looking for? That's not stabilized. That's not normalized. I think it's yeah, normalized. like <laughs> we have conventions now, right? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> yes, um, yes, we have conventions now. We have. Yeah, everything's yes. Everything is very normalized. Everything has its place yep. now. Um, 
Or, hey, I got to ask you, if you were to ever make a fake GB Studio game based off an existing property, what would it be? Oh, wow. <laughs> I have no idea. Um, uh, <laughs> wow, I, I, I think I cannot answer that. I would need time to think about this. Well, I will... Then we will approach you at a different time about it, perhaps. But for now, we are going to go to break and come back with everybody. Thanks for being here, Jorge. And I will see you again in like two minutes. Thank you. All right. Goodbye, everyone. Hello and welcome back to Indie Apocalypse Radio. That was Future Robin Hood by also Midnight Brown. I tried to. I thought about putting a Suburban All-Stars track, but I just didn't like any of them very much. Um, <laughs> but I think Midnight Brown actually has some legit bangers. I've played, I think, President of the Mall in an earlier show. I think it's just a good track to listen to. Um, welcome to everyone back to the show. We are here with everyone at this time. Hello, everyone. Hello. Hello, everyone. Hey. I've I've brought a sample of my... I, I joked about a Garth Marenghi, but that's actually like my project for fun that I'm making is a ZX Spectrum. Like, what, like what if there was a ZX Spectrum? Much like Garth Marenghi is an imagined TV show, what if I had imagined a, a ZX Spectrum game that came out with it? game of the show yes and i am currently in my free time giving i've actually got a lot more free time as i've gotten better at this and it's been what i have been working on and you're using rpg maker no i use game maker oh game maker yeah hmm. and then i use game maker and a sprite because a sprite sprite's lets, awesome yeah it lets me just like say zx please and then it gives me like the six colors or whatever that the ZX has. It's probably closer to eight. But. A whole eight colors. So many. It's actually like really interesting to work in like that color palette, you know? Or like, I like the appeal of working in a very limited color palette. Because oh, it's like. Which one is it? The ZX Spectrum. I know there's a, there is there's some colors here. I think it's uh, it's sixteen colors, just like Pico Eight. Yeah, that's a lot of colors. <laughs> Whopping sixteen colors. Look at that. Yeah, there's like two reds, two blues, two <laughs> yeah, greens. You got two reds to choose from. What are you complaining about? Yeah, yeah. It's it's really. I think it's interesting. And I've been like looking at ZX like art styles and like what are like what are the techniques they used for that. And, like, how do they create depth? How do they, like, create characters? A lot of black backgrounds in, on the ZX. Really, really, like, saves you a lot of, a lot of space on color if all the backgrounds are just actually don't have a color. Let's things stick out a lot more. But, anyway... I'm just excited about the thing, that thing, because it's been fun to really, really make a game my own once again. It's always a good achievement. 
now with the weird ex now but not knowing if there's a weird expectations of like what a game i make looks like now 16 months in people be like oh he makes bad games who cares about who who are you to judge but anyway when you say 16 months are you talking about the apocalypse or the apocalypse yeah no, and you, I couldn't. I couldn't work on a game for sixteen months. How long have you been working? Can on you game? imagine working on a game for sixteen months? <sighs> no, insane. Yeah, no. I mean, this this current game, this 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 Dark Place game. I'd say I worked on it for maybe a day, all said and done. You know, in terms of like, I ha- I've really put like maybe two two good work sessions into it, and one of them was like me actually planning everything out. And then hey. one was me drawing a lot of sprites. That's what game jams are for. Yeah, but this is... I, also, I don't do game jams anymore. I'm done with those. I do games on my own time. Oh. Anyway, I'm going to make him go away now. Goodbye, Garth. I'll see you another time. I uh, got, it. but I did get overly ambitious with gameplay styles or very simple gameplay styles, but it, that requires a lot of different sprites. But I've gotten much better at really, you know, churning out sprites. And I will say to everyone: make games faster. Make just put it out. Go straight. Go straight to straight to inking is what I've been. I think. It was also, there there's like there's a good term for that strike while the iron is hot etc yeah. etc seize the day i know like if i take too long on a project then all that initial enthusiasm just runs out and it's like yeah uh, for okay. sure there's a loss of the moment initial momentum but also <laughs> all the other ideas that you have prototypes or for other games they start creeping up right so it's almost a race until you have the next idea that you're really excited about <laughs> before you finish the previous idea they're really excited about. God, yeah. Yeah, I listen. Uh, <laughs> I have like two long festering projects I think that I want to make that I don't know that if I have time I could eventually make, but who knows. The best game is when you just plan out in your head and never yeah. make. Yeah, like like my Fire Emblem game that I'll make one day. That'll never actually get made. My tactics RPG. Yeah, those are hard. I started programming because I wanted to do a Final Fantasy Tactics for, for PC. And it didn't exist. Yeah, I... There's yes, I have a lot of. Usually, most of my, uh, it's it's, like the old adage goes, ninety percent all creative endeavors are powered by horniness or spite, and I am, usually, ninety <laughs> percent spite, give or take. At least in the initial outset, and I, most of my things, most things I create are me based on going, oh, I hate this thing what if they did this instead and that's like where my creative that's i mean that's where indie apocalypse comes from in and of itself is i hate something what if it i didn't that's where this show comes from 
Where is the spite from in the cop in the apocalypse? Which it's, who's the target? It's the the the, the target is um, gaming culture and indie culture and kind of like the expectations of length and that sort of thing. Expectations of like oh, markets. Like yeah. yeah. What about the podcast? Oh, um, that was a lot of really boring indie game podcasts. Um, I feel like I feel like when you make a podcast, you have to have a certain level of spite targeted yeah. against yourself, <laughs> kind of thing. Kind of, kind of like self-spiteful endeavor podcast. Yeah, I will. I mean, okay, this was like also indie podcast radio is fifty percent spite, fifty percent admiration. So I really enjoy. Um, oh, and zero horny. Zero horny. No, listen, I do this podcast with three strangers every every week. <laughs> I feel like it's very. I'm not in a situation where I can bring horny into the, the equation. That's really like asking a lot of strangers, you know. Uh, that's like, any apocalypse is a hor- is a horny free zone. I gotta get that gift that says this is a hentai free zone. Sure, just bringing up Kramer's hentai adventure in a totally kind of chaste, non-horny way. <laughs> yes, that is. Listen. Kramer is looking for <laughs> Kramer is looking for love. Okay. At the end of the day. Um and he is just like that love can involve nudity and you know physical intimacy is a whole other thing. But Kramer is a man of passion above all else. Uh, are we not all I think we all are, and I, but got a coming in real hot with the gift action, but um, yeah, no. So this was partially. I mean, this show is partially based on the fact that I really enjoyed. So a, a theater in Boston used would host a bad movie night called Trash Night, and then they took it on Twitch, and I really enjoy that, and then um. Evan, the cartoonist Evan Dom hosts a like an old cartoon, like outsider or weird cartoon stream on Sunday nights called the Ambiguity Program, and I really enjoyed that. And I so I kind of like these collective online experiences. That it turned into a podcast also was something that because people kept asking me where they could listen to it, and I was like, fine, I guess I'll. <laughs> I guess I'll start posting it online as well. But, um, yeah. And then I should should tune into Evan Dom's Sunday night thing. I mean, like his comics are good. Yeah. I actually had never read any of his comics until I I don't think I I, I have the harrowing of hell. I just got it fairly recently. Um, with like it was the first time I ever did a Kickstarter and then I did like a plus one and I added that to it because I like, just think like Rice Boy is one of my favorite yeah comics. it's like one of my like blind spots like it just I think like when I was reading web comics at that time I was just not into like the long form type that like mm-hmm. he was doing mm-hmm and then I think when when I first read it, it had finished recently. Okay. I think, and so it was like, here is this 
whole pack. Or maybe it was like just about to finish or something like that. And so it's like, here's this whole package. Because I think like I get, sometimes you look at a comic that's ongoing and you're like, oh, this is going to be a long-term commitment. Yeah. Like to me to read, you know, it's like right. I remember it's on Thursday to go check it or something. Right, exactly. And this is, and if you are like fully, like you're right. And also I hate reading things on my computer if I don't have to. So really I just got to like, sit down and like buy it one of these days you know i feel like mm-hmm. it i feel like it's released in an omnibus it's i th- I feel like it's got a book yeah uh, it would be a great book yeah it has got a book yeah no. even people's work that like i regularly follow like i had not read um you know he is a good boy by casey green for like well after like until it's kickstarter release even though i was like regularly followed his work just because I I don't like necessarily reading comics online if I don't have to, but sometimes I recognize that's the only way you can. But I usually just wait till Kickstarters come out and then just buy them. I'm what they call a super backer, as I learned. Why is that? Because you back a bunch of projects. Yeah, that's all that means is that I just backed a bunch of projects, but. Um, I, but I got like an email or something or like a badge. They're like, congratulations. You're a super backer now. I'm like, wow, congrats. Um, oh, and the spite. I, I I feel like it's important to say that the spite was, I think I remember some, there was a, um, a let's call them a smaller to mid-tier indie game publisher that was started up their own show as well. And I was like, oh, this seems neat. And then it was like Twitch bullshit. And <laughs> I was like, this sucks. Kind of bullshit. You know, like they played their games and they sat in their secret lab chair with their green screens. And they're like, oh, Bong Lord, I know you're always here in Twitch chat. And I was like, I hate that. I hate Twitch stuff. Remember, if you leave, don't say uh, you're going in the chat because it will make others leave. Yes. As well. Yeah. I listen. My here's how I use Twitch. I um, besides trash dead and ambiguity program, I occasionally I put Magic the Gathering streams on mute on my second monitor to see what decks people are playing with. <laughs> and that I understand Twitch culture. I get that that's what it is. I have no interest in it personally. I don't think like like because I I I started streaming games a couple of months back as like an excuse to play some games yes and i don't get like twitch culture hashtag or whatever like yeah i don't know like i'm just i'm just playing games people are watching people are talking that's it like what else is there right (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think what are you streaming just out of curiosity uh i was uh, I started playing Morrowind because I wanted an excuse to play it, and it's like one of my favorite cool. games ever. Uh, mm. But I've been I've been playing Alien Isolation because I think that's the fun like spectator one. I've been uh-huh. co-op playing Halo with my girlfriend. Like we've I've I'd never played them, and so we've been going through the entire series on stream. Uh, the first two games of which was like Agony, uh, <laughs> and actually <laughs> good now, but like. 
Halo One was not a good game. <laughs> I, 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 I guess they are. I don't know my experience of I. I think I dropped Halo One near the very end of the game, and I yeah. try to finish all games. I don't like dropping games. I've I've finished a lot of bad games, a lot of like terrible games in Halo One. I still drop near the end. Yeah, that's is, there is one like endless level that absolutely just destroyed my sanity, which is like the library. Basically, this, the library. Yeah, it's just yeah. the I same thing. Was over. Wrong. Like, <laughs> You know how sometimes games that have scripted sequences were like, oh no, you cannot fight this boss, right? He's gonna have yeah. heal forever, you have to run away. Or like, he keeps spawning forever, you actually have to hit the magical lever behind mm -hmm. the bookshelf. And I thought this was it, I'm like, but I think back then, I didn't like, I didn't go to GamesFact for whatever reason, I think I didn't have enough memory on my computer to alt-tab, to check <laughs> it out. So after I closed the game, I didn't check it and never opened it again. Is that it? Rage quit in the end? Yeah. <laughs> perfect i most of my memories of halo are multiplayer like competitive multiplayer memories and really my main memory is the i've talked about this on the show before but we developed a race game with inside of halo where you would just race Forge? across no no but this is pre-forged this is halo 2 like we just like designed in ourselves in our minds in our imaginations a track that you would have to race across and you would just race and you couldn't shoot each other but you were just a race and you would just Original race game mods. you would just race warthogs it was the course with the uh it was the map with the with the um the subway car mm -hmm. that would go through it because you would have to jump across the train track and sorry sorry the long car track and you have to make sure that it didn't hit you <laughs> and that was the whole thing so uh, like i think like i don't like i would not play it single player yeah and multiplayer it's like the game itself is is average but it's a good platform for whatever multiplayer hijinks you want to turn it into yeah yeah listen sometimes you'll play through as someone who knows two people played through all of hunted the reckoning sometimes people will just play games together because there are games that you're able to play together Mm -hmm. and sometimes you're gonna invent games that you can't play together like like people are gonna get a single player game and turn it into a multiplayer game yeah 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 that, yes uh i did you guys have played or heard of super hexagon yeah yeah that game actually when you, when you when you put several uh controllers and the keyboard they all work at the same time so what we did uh, i did it with my friends that we played it multiplayer so every 10 seconds uh, we would switch the controller, right? Like one person would stop, the other person had to continue. But this game is very twitchy, so you have to coordinate very well. And that became that became the mod to play a multiplayer to finish the first game. And it would happen that like we would alternate, right? The person, the first guy would start, and the second, and the third. But then the guy who was on deck would always be counting to start. Like we had to like create strategies for it to work. It was super fun. Wow. Oh, I can't. It, I mean, it's such a such a fine control twitchy game. Exactly. And trying to do it. Oh, that sounds like. So I highly cool recommend. Actually. It was super engaging. I don't necessarily. I don't know if it would work well uh, over the net, but in person, this was like years ago. It was. It was yeah, amazing. Yeah. 
another game that I recommend playing is a single player, but you can technically play with an infinite amount of people. Is Return of the Obra by Lucas Pope, the same guy who made uh, Papers, Please. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How do you play that multiplayer? So the, I played it with like three uh, with three people, and essentially one person could control, but everyone was putting together their theories to figure out the solutions, mm-hmm. right, to things. And this actually works really well because if you're stuck, someone else might have another source of knowledge or mm-hmm. perception, and mm-hmm. then it's really good. Yeah, I can see. I can see that one working really well. Like, I've not finished it. I've only got a bit of the way through, but like, that's sort of just hashing out ideas and what could have happened. Yeah, I, I, I sort of lucked my way through, like accidentally without getting a piece of information because I missed like one tiny, like yet crucial piece of information. <laughs> but I still like got it right just because of like some other, some other weird line of logic. I fall. I went my way down. But you just sensed the correct answer. Yeah, or like I got myself like it was. I think it was like between three people, and I just like got it right by you coincidence. Yes, at some point, at some point you can definitely. It's a tactic to correct guess. Yeah. Uh, there is. There is. I I learned recently that you can play Age of Empires two with multiple players controlling the same civilization, and well, like. I'm I'm not a good Age of Empires 2 player. Like I can do all right against computer, but against other players, I suck, frankly. And so I really like the idea of like, okay, you know, this player is going to do economy stuff, and that's it. And this one's going to micromanage the armies and that sort of thing, which I think is a cool, fun way of doing it. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. Really that's wild. I didn't. Cool. I've never thought of that like being a thing in an RTS, which seems there's like. There's that weird thing, like the um, I think it was the PlayStation ports of like the Final Fantasy games, where they had technically had a multiplayer mode. Really? Like, mm-hmm. I think it was like the Chronicles or Anthologies is what they were called. I think, like, so basically, like, I would set some of my characters to be other players. So like the second player would control like you're Terra and Locke, and I'm Sabin and Edgar. And <laughs> I don't know why you would do it, but. If you and a friend wanted to sit around and play Final Fantasy VI together, and you each controlled a couple different characters, you could. Yeah, can't see that working out. Uh, with my partner, I played several single-player games that we could play together. So uh, The Witness, which is a puzzle game, worked really well. Especially for puzzle games if you have more than one person, because someone may have a huge fatigue for a kind of puzzle or a specific puzzle, and the other person can pick up the slack. And I don't think I would have finished that game if not for her. Like... Yeah, that, yeah, and there is. I imagine there is like a ton of like. Now that they are modifying everything, I'm sure there's like multiple, very multiple, like multiplayer types that are just like hacked in that I don't even realize exist. Ugh, don't knock it; it's fun. Uh, yes, I bet, I bet it is fun, honestly. Like, I think just playing games with other people is a fun thing to do. Mm. And I highly encourage finding ways to just, like, weirdly play games together. It, it's funny, like, I always grew up playing mostly single-player games. Like, I lived in my kind of, like, peak 
peak gamer years. But, yeah. Um, I had a terrible internet connection and I lived in the middle of nowhere. And so, like, I've only really come into playing multiplayer games in the last couple of years. And it is, it's like, oh my god, mind blown. Games are fun with more than one person, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, actually, I was I was looking up the specifics of those Final Fantasy multiplayers. Apparently, they're also in the SNES versions. But apparently, in six, if you're using Blitzes, you can like it just accepts both controllers Blitz commands. So if I'm player one and player two is playing Saban, I player one's Blitz inputs also will just screw it up if I'm trying to do them. That's also a very weird thing. Um. Uh, Man, those blitz commands are weird. Like, why? Whose idea is like? I didn't, I didn't use him too much. I like, I yeah. I when I first got the game as a child, I did not understand fighting games. I remember having the same problem with like the Ninja Turtles fighting game, where I just like didn't understand how fighting games worked. Mm-hmm. And, like I, I had no concept of the quarter circle. But now when I go, when I went back later after I understood, after I grew up and got a fight stick and did all these things, I was like, oh, wait, Sabin is awesome because I can do quarter circles and half circles. For me, uh, for me, it was even worse because we would go to the, to the arcade, right? Yeah. At least in Portuguese. I don't know how it is in Spanish, but in Portuguese, uh, instead of quarter circle, we call them C's. So, but if you look at a C, the C starts at the top goes to the left and goes to the right but we would call it like oh it's quarter c it's half c half c is a quarter circle yeah. so it would try to go from like the top to the left and jump backwards instead of doing like the dragon punch right the, the down down forward yeah and that was extremely confusing yeah this fighting games have a lot of like really they're probably feels like one of the weirdest genres just like a lot of really accepted built-in terminology that have become really commonplace that you just have to like understand and there's like listen i guess it all goes back to street fighter 2 and we yeah, all dp nowadays like it's going to be yeah forward right it's going to be the right forward. right yes yes how weird that you're like other games have like who knows that, that that means dragon punch but people understand what the motion is whether they know it means dragon punch or not but you tell someone, hey, you just do the DP motion. And they're like, ah, yes, forward quarter circle. I know what that means. But. See, like, I think there's there's a couple of fighting games I actually like to play. Not being like a fighting game player, yeah. I frankly suck at them. And like the last one, I like stuff like Nidhogg, where it's a really kind of refined, yeah. very little you can do. But you can master that quite quickly and that's that but also like has anyone played tory bash nope what is it? let me oh. check it out wait so tory, tory no that's bash a really complicated a, one right it, it's a fighting game where you control muscle groups yes okay yeah oh it's like um, quop yeah i think it predates quop but it, it's not as oh, no way. It, it's not it's not as like slapstick like you have a lot more fine control you can actually do incredibly like complicated maneuvers with it and it's like i think it's, it's like you get like three or five second turns yeah like it's and that's it yeah like and, you, you set up like what your emotions are right yeah exactly it's like okay like this turn i'm like moving my shoulders back 
next turn, dropping my knees, swinging an arm up. It it's like yeah, it, it's comment in the chat. It's like real time strategy, like choreographing dances or fights or something. And yeah, Tory Bash whip. That's a great game. Tory Bash still going strong. It's still going. It seems like it. Latest update, May seventh, twenty twenty one. Oh my god. <laughs> Nicholas has sunk their teeth into him. Those 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 guys. Yeah. Nicholas. I guess if you can get money, but pour one out for her. fucking Studio Pixel, you know. But um yeah, that is. Wow. Sorry. I'm What's your opinion on Nidhogg 2? Uh, I played Nidhogg 1. I really liked it. And then the second one looks very different, right? And I haven't even tried it. And I imagine this is a story that a lot of people uh, haven't I, Yeah, I've not I've not played Nidhogg 2. I mean, Nidhogg 1, I only I, I played it at a few like local games events, and, it, and I don't actually own it, so it's... My enjoyment of it is purely kind of situational and like there's a bunch of people hanging out and there's some beers and that's yeah the only context I have played. Oh wow, Nidhogg 2 does look really different. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. Seen it All that yeah, minimalism is gone. Yeah, I... It's completely different. At first I'm like, this is weird, but I've turned... I like... I turn around to like the weird grossness and I kind of like it, but also at the same time it has new weapons. I'm like, eh... It doesn't really add... I mean, when we played the original Nidhogg, we kind of always went back to the default stage anyway. Like that... Mm-hmm. It feels like a very pure thing that... It feels like... Uh, Nidhogg is a perfect example of like video game creep where you need to like add shit to make it a video game, you know? Mm-hmm. Like I think the, the best video games is when you remove shit. Yeah. yeah. I feel like... Because I feel like Nidhogg 1 Chandelier Stage is really all you need and, like, that is pure... Like, that is a full package in and of itself. I agree. Wow, looking at Nidhogg 2, you gotta have real courage to get a game that was successful that had a very recognizable look. Yeah. And then go comp in the completely opposite direction. I love it. It's visually looking at screenshots, like... There's so much going on. I don't know. I mean, I respect it. Yeah. I, re- yeah, I respect, respect it. I don't like it, but I respect like, it. You know, this is my game. It looks like this. But fuck that. <laughs> I'm just going to make it look Right, right. Like, <laughs> Do you really need to make the same thing over and over again? What, video games aren't software, you know. I saw... I, I don't think they are. I, uh, reaction... Mm. As a software developer, they're not software. Yeah, but they often treated very much as software. It's like here's our next iteration, and now has the the guy can hold two guns now. We and now get, have even more legally licensed weapons from the U.S. military. Yes, this is actually something that I not that not the military weapons. Though, fuck that. I miss uh, the days where games had a finality to them. So you would play, let's say, Final Fantasy VI. Whatever bugs there are, there are forever, right? You have yeah. the gold build. Maybe you have the PAL, the the US, and the JP version, but that that's that's it, right? You play the, you can play the game without fee, fear or anxiety that it's just going to change completely or get right. things added, and your experience 
your first experience won't be in the best experience. I think I've felt this a lot in the last year with a bunch of CRPGs that have released, like let's say Wasteland 3, I'm like, mm, it's gonna get changed, I'm gonna wait, right? Uh, and I, I miss the days where that wasn't the case. Here's a game, it's done, play it, All right. day one, and it's the game. Yeah. I mean, right, like there was, uh, someone said about like, what's your favorite cult game? And I've been thinking again recently about Eternal Darkness. Which is one of just four games I had on the GameCube. Ooh. And like, there is just. That is a very cool. That is a example. That is it. But it was really good. Do you remember the other three? Two. So, I, there were four four games I had on GameCube. I had Smash Bros. because obviously I did. I had Eternal Darkness. I had Medal of Honor: Rising Sun. Ooh. And I had the Die Hard video game which is quite possibly one of the worst video games I've ever played. Or oh, like the movie? <laughs> movie, the game. That sounds awful. Oh, I have it's a lot. I'm looking at this and I have a lot more games. I thought, how many games do I have on GameCube? It's actually a bit more. But I mean, a lot of these two is, um, why do I have? The Die Hard game. I do. Okay, I have Eternal Darkness and I have Smash Brothers, but I don't have the Die Hard game and I don't have Metal of Honor. <laughs> I do have Odama. And Wait, this look like a first-person GTA clone. Which one? Die Hard Vendetta on the game. I mean, it, it, it's like it's like a first-person shooter, but it's like it's just like generic shooty shooty video game. game. That is it. That's all it is. But like, it's it has an auto aim which removes all necessity to ever aim where you can turn it off and it, then it is the most difficult game to aim in and so it's like there is no satisfying way to play it youtube video here that i'm looking right and the description is this was a cheap three dollar uh, buy for me and overall it's lacking but not terrible in fact it's sometimes and then it stops it doesn't continue the sentence oh never mind i'm stupid i just show less show more that's what he said let's pretend that that's what yeah that's that's a lot funnier it's sometimes. No, I have, I have like a um, a love for bad games, like that. Well, not like that. Not like mediocre games that like. What's, the, what's your favorite bad game then? What's your favorite like? Oh, I know f- this is bad, but I enjoy it. Maybe like, is Phantasmagoria too bad? Cause I love it, <laughs> but. I mean, it's. It's. It tried something. Yeah, that's what I think. It... Like, that's like I've been, I've been like ranting on about like how I really like seven out of ten games. Yeah. Lately, and like I think there's a difference in bad games where it's like it's messy, but it's yeah. kind of got a soul and it's trying something, versus like it's bad and it's not even doing anything interesting and it's like just the most generic video game. Yeah. Correct. The, yeah, that's what uh, that's. I mean, I play as someone who plays a lot of games. For instance, for like a submission aspect, I've come across a lot of games that are both not interesting. And it's like, I'm like, I think who is this for? It's not for you. It's clearly not for anyone else. Like, why? Like, it doesn't look like any person made this game with any kind of intent. You know. Sometimes making a game is the activity itself, you know? Yeah. Like just the yeah. have made the game. But like... Meditation. 
Yeah, it's it's always complicated. Cause it's like it doesn't seem like I don't know what the person was trying to express, and I think that's where you come across like those when companies do that same thing. <laughs> that's when you get games that are bad, but like Big budget bad, right? And that don't try anything. Also, if you look at issue sixteen of Indie Apocalypse, um, there's a good write up of the Quiet Man, which is also <laughs> I have a soft spot for it's if you would like to play a bad version of the bouncer with no audio in it the quiet man mm-hmm. but yeah i don't and on steam yeah it's it's a real it's a real oh, all, all mostly negative yeah yeah Ooh. i I love mostly negative stuff or like, I think there, I love sloppiness that tries, like you were saying, there's like, I, I infinitely prefer something that's like messy, but like is trying for something. And then something that is like perfectly polished, but has like no voice to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is my last game that I did on the game jam because I ran out of time to do the main mechanic. Yeah. So it's wished. But it fucking does nothing. It's, uh, <laughs> I had to overcome the feeling that, like, okay, this is the shittiest game I've ever put out. I yeah. Uh, but I still had, I still wanted, I almost didn't submit with the game completely done by the, by the end of the jam because it's just like, this does nothing to anyone. Like, it's right. not, it's just an exercise in, like, doing a small, polished game. Yeah. And, I, you know, so I think not every artist, like, publishes all their sketch like brings all their sketches to galleries you know <laughs> sometimes something is just like yeah i tried and then i didn't i'm not satisfied that's fine i think that's perfectly fine i think more people need to just like try shorter things and be like ah i went for something didn't work not happy with it i'll forget about it and delete it and never think about it again for sure i think like 90 90- I would say 99 of all video games that got started being made never got finished. I think 99 is way too low, actually. I would make it even higher. I I I, I'm reminded of, like, in my old bands, when we were writing songs, we tried to... We we did these couple of things where we were like, okay, we're going to just make a ton of songs really quickly in a day. And I like the kind of philosophy that, like, if you imagine your lifetime of work you're gonna get like x amount of i don't know songs games or whatever that are gonna be bad so what if you just get all of the bad ones out in advance in a block <laughs> yeah well, that's, okay, that's right? I'm, I'm gonna make the next five years worth of bad shit i make but i'm gonna make it all in this one week and then kind of free up my schedule for the rest obviously it doesn't like it doesn't actually work like that but i kind of like i like the idea that it would right i mean uh, say, i think it does I, th- I think it works in that it teaches you that it teaches you to learn to accept that you make bad stuff sometimes. And to do it, right? <laughs> yeah. the, the biggest challenge to creative creation endeavors is uh, being afraid to fail or do something bad. Like, yeah. I, I think that's the number one thing that makes uh, so things are not made. Yeah, you just... probably learn more from making 10 bad games than one good one. Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's a lot to be learned from bad there's from to let me learn from like bad things bad in heavy in heavy quotations 
I'm sure I will listen. I'm sure there's a lot to glean from a six-hour documentary where they talk about motion over a still image that I can't <laughs> stop thinking about. Uh, you think about the brain documentary about there is actually some sincerely good advice in it. Yeah, I bet there is. Like, I love sincere. There's there is a one there is a beauty to like sincere outsiders and like. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm so done with like irony. Yeah. Culture, like. Yeah, I just I I love sincerity. You know. And if yes. that sincerity makes a bad thing, then so be it. Right, right. I like. Here's the thing. I, it like, yeah. Irony is kind of like a. Sh- I do. Irony is just like a shield to to pretend that you don't like Neil Breen movies when really you do. You just don't like them for the intended concept, for like the intended purpose. You, you like them for, I, like. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think I honestly think. They're probably better than like. I would rather watch a Neil Breen film than a Marvel film, you know. Like, Listen, I would. I, I would any day of the week. I would a hundred percent. Listen, I have seen a few of them, and even by like directors that I enjoyed. Like I saw that last Thor movie, and I like Taika Waititi, but you know what? I'd probably watch Fateful Findings again before I watched that Thor movie again. Have you seen Twisted Pair? I have not. I have. Listen, quarantine has really, really brought a damper on the Breen verse. Oh, Twisted Pair was an experience. I think that was my favorite Breen. Is that the one? It was just. Is that the one where he's tuned out of a car and he has a satellite, or is that a different one? He has a twin brother with a glued on beard. Okay. But it is. Yeah, no, I, I don't want to spoil anything, but also, like, no. I, I, I could say stuff and it would just not sound no, like no, it like, happened. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, try to describe the ending of Fateful Finds to someone where he's, where he's hacked into the government secrets and exposed them all. And then there's the sniper and he kills him with his psychic powers or something. Hey, is there, is there a video game maker who does the same sort of thing where it's like, I write, produce, and direct these video games, and I star in them as the main character. Like, is I, there a video game? I don't know. Who does that? I'm, listen, I have thought about, like... Right, like... There should be, if there isn't. I've, I've, people talk a lot about what is the Citizen Kane of video games sometimes, but now I'm wondering, you know... What's the findings of the right. game. Exactly. <laughs> what is Yeah, we like I think I saw as I was posting the message about this on Twitter, I saw someone talk about like what if cinematic games actually like looked like movies that had strong like that took strong cinematography cinematographic choices, which cin- cinematic in video games just means like you're pretending to be a um a third of the screen. Right, right. You're pretending to be prestige television or something. You're the Last of Us, where you're very serious about topics or something. When when you're not like, well, I remember, I don't remember all of them. One of the one of the things was like Suspiria was one of their their images, and that thing 
kind of just like whatever the whole giallo movement giallo i forget which it is just like Mm -hmm. goes for it what is what is the mishima a life in four chapters of video games what's the what's the elephant of video games yeah what is is this video games i think lack so much compared to like what other mediums have like even not 20 years ago but like 30 years ago putting pixels on the screen was an achievement yeah i guess it's just that's why i like to say like well games are still so new they haven't like gotten time to really like get into artistic expression real thoroughly and get really self-indulgent and they're still like I think because like there's still like such a tech domination within the scene. That uh, I think also what happened with video games is that it's it's like that kid who grew up with too much money sometimes. Right. Yeah. Because it's a media that is already the largest media and it is the youngest one, but because he grew up with an attack boon and the internet and all of that, right? Where books, I don't know, people writing books when I don't know, money didn't fucking exist or something. Yeah, it's all a whole. We, I feel like maybe like our whole auteur move. I mean, there are people doing the work, and there have always been people doing like avant work in games, you know. But there just isn't much of a focus on. There isn't like a large collective scene around it, which uh, will take time. I think like it'll be a long, arduous process to cultivate that part of what i was what i've been trying to do to some extent i think they exist it's just it's a visibility problem in a way yeah it's very hard to there's so much and this doesn't come just to video games right because if video games were all there were i think there would still be visibility problems video games are competing with music and tv shows and movies and working 60 hours a week to survive like you know yeah so but even in when there's with like within those other mediums, there are, I'm I think you're not very would be not very hard pressed to find someone who only listens to like you know only listens to independent music, mm-hmm. or their only streaming service is the Criterion Channel. But and that's like there's there are these large companies and these large like cultures of supporting these kinds of things, and even then it's very easy to be like well, Criterion is basic stuff, you know. You need to go deeper if you want the real stuff. But anyway, that's I'm going on about art, which is subjective, and as it is anyway, and it's very easy to get trapped into accidentally speaking from upon high, declaring what art is, and I don't feel like doing that. Anyway, I'm going to become the Joker. What? Oh shit! <laughs> I'm going to become the. J- no, as 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 mentioned on this previous, as mentioned previously on this show itself, my form of Jokerfication is. I have thought as I have thought of it as joining the Black Parade. As oh, I like that. As this year, I have gotten very into well, uh, I've gotten very into the Black Parade. It is, I don't know how or why this year, but I'm like, yes, I do love this album through and through. 
I mean, it's it's sincere, isn't it? Yes, like, it is. It was it was like at the time because like I was the perfect time for that to release. Yeah, like, in my like, school emo I, phase, I should have been. But listen, <laughs> toxic masculinity and a whole bunch of other stuff can really, really, really poison that emo well for a young young boy in high I, school. I mean, it's like like before everyone started throwing cringe around on twitter as a term yeah. like like parade was cringe at the time oh it's it's still cringe really but i love it but it's it's fuck it whips you know it's great yeah listen i i came across it because rp giant bomb um janet choa of the site was talking about i can't remember if he like got it from somewhere else or if he posited the idea himself but he said that welcome to the black parade is millennial bohemian rhapsody and I was like, let me see this yeah. claim. And I'm like, yeah, all right, I see it. I see it. And then I decided. Or is, or is American Idiot. Uh, okay, so I, so I grew up yeah. listening to American Idiot. Because Green Day didn't touch upon that whole. Somehow Green Day was not technically emo, so it escaped that whole, that whole issue. Mm-hmm. And so I decided, well, I'll compare the two. Because I thought that, that's neat. That's a thought exercise that I have on myself. It's the kind of thing you do for a podcast, but instead you just do it for your own fun and enjoyment. And you know they have the same producer? I didn't know I that. Feel, I feel like I did know that, but also I'm now going like, what did they? So maybe I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, so... It came out a couple of years apart, so I decided to listen back to back. And my opinion is that American Idiot is um, it feels like a it's it's way more radio rock first off, and it feels like a rock band like making a concept album. And I mean that's what it is. Yeah, and but like the Black Parade feels like here are some theater kids, and they're like two hundred percent on their bullshit, mm-hmm. and they are just like, like the job goth yeah not the same out yeah and they are going all out and it feels way more sincere and way more enjoyable and uh, i really like it it's very good that's my that's my hot take on the black parade in 2021 it's a good album a bold take uh i don't I, I don't know if that's a bold take or a non-bold take but it's my take and i'm sticking by it I also, Andrew Lloyd Webber, was on TikTok talking about that opening note. And I am of a firm belief that Andrew Lloyd Webber is 100% a huge fan of that album. It seems like his thing through and through. It seems like something he would make in his younger days. Yeah, yeah, I can believe that. It seems like this is an alternate history version of Jesus Christ Superstar is the Black Parade. Mm-hmm. But anyway, that's that's my weird divergence into the Black Parade once again. As I keep bringing it up, because I can't stop my 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 current repeat albums are that in Sky Dream. So I guess the quarantine has got me into Sky and gotten me into the Black Parade. I've had, Black and uh, white. I've had Dark Side of the Moon on my car, stuck in the city player for oh. for a year now. I think. It's fun. It's funny you mentioned Dark Side of the Moon because 
when I was working on that Garth, when I work on the Garth Marenghi game, I um, I was like, what's a good album? And for some reason, Dark Side of the Moon struck me as a real Garth Marenghi's Dark Place kind of an album. So I've actually been listening to that a lot more. And man, uh, that the opening line to time is one of my absolute favorite opening lines like delivery in like pulling that down full stop i love it when he says i'm not going to try to sing it like he does because it's too good at it when he says ticking away the moments to make it the dull day and it just rips in there big fan uh it's, I associate my car a lot with that album because first time I turned it on, it wasn't a random radio and money was playing. And I was like, okay, this is going to be my first album. Yeah. And then I happened to happen have this, the, the physical album and my car is so old and shitty that it doesn't <laughs> have, it just has a CD player. Yeah. So I had to use the CDs. So that's why it has the CD. But the, the radio also dies too much if I put like on reverse or something. So. Uh, to reach the ending of the album, it has to be. I either have to remember where it stopped, or I have not to reverse for a long while. And <laughs> yeah, I made a game about this. My uh, one of my game jam games is made. It's called Leica. It's about a shitty card that you try to keep it alive. That was the theme of the gem. Perfect. But but anyway, the ending of uh, of the album is actually my favorite part. I think it's Eclipse or Brain Damage. Yeah. So good. It's so good. Yeah, I listen, sometimes I've been getting more into like as a kid who was into, you know, classic rock. I kind of swore it off when I hit my college years and starting it and you know, bought my arcade fire album and got into indie shit. But I've been dipping back in here and there to see like what if what if this is good? What if this is bad and what if this is like sometimes classics are classics for a reason you know there is the do you know big star i do know big star yeah that is uh, like i feel that's a good crossover between kind of like sort of classic rock with indie rock aesthetics uh, one second before jorge, jorge has to leave before you go would you like to plugs jorge before you leave yeah, well, I'm sorry, I have to go now. No, that's fine, fine. That's People, I, I, I feel a bit rude right now. <laughs> Before you go, what are your plugs? Where am I? Sorry? Uh, where can people find you on the internet? Where can they find their I, games? I, yeah, I'm sorry. Um, they can find me on each, uh, like uh, Arroz Pegado. It's a double R. O Z P G A G A O, sorry, and also Twitter F D E Z Perez Jorge, and that's it. I think uh, perfect. Much, but I'm not very active. I must admit. No, that's fine. Yeah. But I mean, <laughs> that's, I'm not very active either. And uh, thank you for having me here. I was. Uh, loving the, the music conversation but i have to go now sorry no thank you for being here um i'm gonna turn off your picture so people know you're gone now but thank you for being oh. here thank you for for having me here yep, it's been back. great and yeah. great. Right. perfect perfect Take care. goodbye Take care. thank you
Bye. Oh. See ya. Gone. Wait, now what were you saying? I, f- uh, I mean, I was just saying Big Star. Oh, yes, Big Star, like, yes. Crossover, crossover classic rock yeah. slash indie rock style. Yes, I... Also, I'm thinking now, like, there's a thing about car albums, isn't there? Like, an album that is just a good car album. Yeah. There is. And that's a, it's like a context that can change an album that you like just on its own. You're like, yeah, this is all right. And in the car, it's just, this is a good album. I think I I got... I've always kind of been a Flaming Lips fan, but I had the soft bulletin in my car for, like, two years straight. Yeah. And that's that's a very good car album, I think. Yes, I got... Was it a couple of years ago or last... It must have been... Okay, I'm trying to think of quarantines throwing off my number of years. So it must have been, like, two years ago. I got very into the soft bulletin. Mm-hmm. and like actually to the point where when I was also reading comics and I was reading the Hunter Hunter while I was listening to a lot of the soft bulletin so now the two are in, inextricably linked forever in my brain which is I guess good for them and good for me I yeah listen I Flaming Lips are old man psychedelia or something I get it but I like the Flaming Lips yeah I, I mean I was I like the singer is shit and a lot of the music is kind of self-recorded and so it's a bit rough but yeah it's great like it doesn't sound like another band really yeah and i still i still want to do a listening party for zyrika with the like do you know do you know Zyrica? yeah 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 with like yeah, the with four the, like, speakers four cd players at once sort yeah of thing syncing them up with your friends and all pressing play at once like i still want to do a listening party for that yeah there's listen i respect the hell out of stuff like that just like take your weird swings be your be the weird art person that you want to be what if we released our video game on four different games at once that you all had to sync together Right, because there already are, like, you can play, like, synchronized versions of, like, you know how they have those hacks so you can play, like, Zelda randomizer with other people? hmm Yeah, so you could do that. Like, I mean, nothing's impossible. Listen, that, but that sounds too, that's definitely too ambitious than something I could ever make. I don't have pro, what you consider to be programming skills. Oh. It, there's programming and there's like being able to bodge together something from yeah. scraps of code you find on the internet like right right there is copy and paste is your be- is a programmer's best friend yeah um uh, semi related to big star i will say the official stance of indie apocalypse is that i believe Unless I can think otherwise, that I th- believe the greatest rock rock and roll song is Alex Chilton by The Replacements, and that's I've thought about that for a long time. Mm, I don't know that one. And I think it may be the best rock and roll song. I think it has everything that you need. It's talk. It's singing about things that you like, which is out in that case is Alex Chilton. <laughs> <laughs> it has. Like a solo that's like indulgent enough, but not too overly indulgent. I've come in later life that I, I, I realized I don't like solos that are like 
they're three and a half minutes long songs that also just have an overindulgent solo in them. Like it doesn't feel like it's part of the song. Mm. What is your stance on key changes? I was, I have no, I would say good. Or yeah, I mean, okay. no, 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 hard, no hard line stance. It's, some people, it's like, some people have a stance on key changes where they're like, none of this. But I love, but I mean, I have I very, think, I think they're very good. I have very broad music taste, so like, a key change probably sounds very normal to like some of the weird discordant stuff I've listened to in my life. <laughs> <laughs> so, a key change would sound like a perfectly reasonable melody or something to like once you've gone once you've gone down the noise hole there's no escaping it you know what lockdown got me into 100 gex and i haven't looked back uh 100 gex is 100 gex is norm core what are you people talking about yeah 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 no i remember yes um no but no into black midi or whatever no the 100 gex is good um I remember listening. I like maybe I'll go back to them and be like, "Ah, this is really good." But I'm, I listened to Money Trees. And I'm like, "Ah, this is good. This is good stuff." I like. I'm recently downloaded off this like defunct label, F- Fortune 500, and they were like, I think they did a lot of like vaporwave, mm-hmm. wh- you know, whatever dash wave music, sailor wave, and I'm been playing a lot of that i'm like oh that could remember vaporwave everyone remember that there's vaporwave. Vapor. yeah it's not as good though is it no the zeitgeist is gone yeah but i feel like like dream pop city pop style has like lived on which i kind of like because it's also like very in a way like very shoegaze adjacent mm-hmm. i like shoegaze i always liked the I always like shoegaze in theory. But uh, like I don't know. I like Loveless. Loveless is a great depression album for lying yeah. on the floor listening to. But like I dunno, I just I never I always kinda wanted to find a good shoegaze band. I never quite did. Yeah. I, I think because like with something <laughs> there's something like that. I think it runs into like the scar problem the the great scar problem which is sometimes it, it can feel very samey mm-hmm. so like how does any like how does a lush stand out from a my bloody valentine stand out from like any number of things um i would say the velt v-e-l-d-t is like funk shoegaze that's an interesting combination or something like that it's very good i I'm a very big supporter of the Veldt, or however you say Veldt. that. Veldt. Veldt. Yeah, it's one of those words that it, it was the name of an area in Final Fantasy VI, and I didn't know how to say it back then, and I still don't know how to say it now, here in 2021. And I refuse to learn. I'll just clumsily say it, but you understand. Hopefully, assume that I people, get it. people get what I'm saying. They understand they are. Okay, now this is this is going too far into my um. We've hit, we've crested three hours, and we're getting into my self-indulgent. Let's trick people into talking about music podcast. Hey, I mean, I would I would talk about music for hours. Like, yeah, I miss being in music. 
yeah i i yes i've missed talking i love to music i love to talk about it and then one of these days one of my one of my podcasts i want to secretly what i want to do as like a concept podcast is i want to review like or not review i want to rank all of the musical references from jojo's bizarre adventure from beginning to end <laughs> going through well, like, like this is this is the best song or this is the best reference to a song um it, well it would be like because sometimes they just reference songs but sometimes they just reference like artists so it's like starting with i think like number one starting with dio and we like okay so dio starts off at number one but then like dire straits comes in like well how is is dio better than dire straits yes dio is better than mm-hmm. dire straits um mm-hmm. and then just going all the way through until we have a full because sometimes they're just songs because like, i think there's one that's called like purple haze which would be like its entry on the list would just be the song purple haze but it would just be that it would be going through the albums the artists and the songs referenced within the series and ranking them all and oh, I have a you, already know, you already know that the top one is going to be david bowie because david bowie wait does he reference to where's david bowie even like jojo but i think it's impossible not to reference david bowie no i don't think he references david bowie at all okay i don't think so at least it's not one I, I mean, think. isn't there a fucking... There's that, like, pink cat character who looks like Bowie. Oh, yeah, there's that guy. The guy, yeah. Um, I'm forgetting his name now. Cause I'm, I I'll, it's I'll, literally called Bowie. No, it's called... Um, I'm forgetting because all I can give is Sheer Heart Attack, which is not Sheer Heart Attack. Uh, we're going to be trapped in this hole forever. But um, anyway, I'll look that up. Um, Bowie... Jojo, that's that's not that's not what I should. I mean, we'd stand Radiohead. Kira's appearance is based off that of David Bowie. Yeah, I knew that part. Um, oh, this is like a weird novel or something. Wait, what? What is this character? Like, what is this from? I don't know. Like, I've seen him in. Like most of my most of my JoJo knowledge is from Twitter. Like yeah. I have not watched enough of it, but I've seen this guy around. I'm like I oh, yeah. conceptually know he exists. That's 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 your Chicago Kira. That's he is exceptional. Like he is top shelf like shonen antagonist. He's a big fan of him, honestly. And it doesn't it's not only because he looks like David Bowie. <laughs> It's he just wants to live a quiet life, and I like him. But um, I'm so I'm so messed up with this part because now I'm like really done, really, but I'm really upset that I can't remember this name. <laughs> it's <laughs> bothering me, but I know it's not. Um, where is this? Da da da. Powers stand. I have to, now I'm looking at. I've now because of you, I'm on fandoms.com. Oh, I'm so sorry. I have to navigate through these 10 million ads in order yeah, to. Right? Yeah. Like, I think there's a. You know how there's. A oh, it's Killer Queen. That's what it was. It was Killer Queen. 
Yeah, his stand is called Killer Queen. Uh, I was so close with Sheer Heart Attack, though that's part of it. I should have been able to make that leap. Anyway, I think the I think the real answer is off the ones at the top of my head. I think the real of all the ones I remember, I think the the real winner is King Crimson. Um, I don't know their entire discography through and through, but I really love In the Court of the Crimson King. It's mm. it's self indulgent prog that I can respect and get down with. But anyway, I I was as as I was trying to do initially, we're gonna. We're gonna wind this down. I no better way to bring down anything than a prog record. Yes, yes. Listen, prog is not for everybody. Not everyone needs to listen to nine-minute-long songs that kind of noodle around, and they'd be like, "Well, the time signatures." Some bands really would just think, what if we make an album about a swarm? Yeah, well, what if we just made albums and all the albums were about Anne Rand? <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> At least Neil Peart's a good drummer, I guess. Um, They're best. But anyway, uh, if, might I rec- if I go down a pro- I don't know if. It's a good first recommendation for prog holes. So I'm not a prog expert, but I do. I also I think to be fair, in the Court of the Crimson King is kind of like proto prog or something. It's like sometimes feels more like jazz adjacent than what true prog is thought of. It's but. it's like I think it's like kind of like a bit. It's more experimental than like kind of prog settles into a rut almost. Yeah. Where it's like you can kind of guess the elements of a prog song. Yeah. The Crimson King is kind of, it's got more stuff going on. Yeah. It's the benefit of being like very early. It's like when I, I've said it before. Okay. That's the weird thing about this show is like having conversations with people the first time, but realizing that people listening have probably heard these conversations. So like the idea of like that, that radio podcasting of not repeating yourself when you are not repeating not repeating yourself to the audience but still wanting to tell strangers things that you haven't told them before mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is um now you're living dead it feels extremely fresh a fresh take on the zombie genre <laughs> because it was unburdened by a, the zombie genre but yeah 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 i get that I imagine the same is true for, like, in the core of the Crimson King being that, like, that was, like, in the 60s. And Prague didn't really hit its stride until, like, what, like, the 80s or the late 70s? 70s into 80s, yeah. So, like, it's his own thing. Even if you just listen to, like, 21st Century Schizoid Man, it's, like, it's a real ride. You go, ah, that's where a Kanye sample is from. <laughs> that's the like the end result for a lot of bands. And yeah, yeah. I, ah, I try. This is that sample. Yes, I. I wonder how many. When I was listening to Dark Side of the Moon, I was listening. Money, I think, is what you would call in modern days. I believe it was referred to as a vibe. Yeah. 
money yeah. is like a true vibe and i've like th- that baseline has got to be sampled like endlessly or something it's just like so killer <laughs> exactly it's uh yeah I, yeah it's absolutely i love it um i also watched a very long um video video essay i, lo- I love bad criticism i love criticisms of bad criticism so i lot of an hour-long take of um doug walker's the wall oh god like someone's hour-long criticism of it i've been thinking a lot about how doug walker's still around it's very weird and i feel like people have gotten back into that whole thing in like this real roundabout way and it's very funny um i missed out on it the first time around so i'm like blissfully unaware of his stuff and it keeps being revealed, like, how oh, have you heard about this whole fucking film he did? It's it's a whole disaster. I was, like, came, came across some of it, like, even, like, when I was, like, watching that stuff, I very much got sick of his stuff, even. <laughs> and there were, like, some ancillary people. I was like, ah, oh, this person seems like they're doing interesting reviews of comic books. But... Most of that site was like he, he, watching bad things and being like, last thing is bad. It wasn't that funny. Whatever, the bat credit card rules. That movie is probably better than... I See, I don't know about those bad movies, like those Batman Schumacher movies, whether they're like... If there's enough good stuff in between like all the bad stuff to like justify watching them but i will say uh, nipple armor yeah yeah Uh, but as someone who grew up in the 90s i don't think so (laughs) but i will say batman 66 is awesome and i think we need a little bit more of that back like i think because i grew up in 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 the era of increasingly try hard edgy batman it's uh What's the word we've been using before? A sincere one? We miss yeah. Sincere. I miss the goofy. It's, it's like grimdark. Yes. Yes. Grimdark. Like, in my mind, it was always like, that show was like campy and goofy and not just like an intentionally well-written show. <laughs> like, that was being funny on purpose. And then I realized, oh, that was a show that was being a comedy on purpose it's not just like eight my like my mind is warped by age and now it's funny looking at it five years later that part where the joker is like oh if you were here batman i give you such a pounding and then it cuts to batman on the phone right behind him he's like get pounding joker (laughs) and he's like "Ah!" and listen i'm gonna uh, how can i find that get that's while while we do our last plugs, I'm gonna find get pounding Joker. Start pounding Joker. Thank you. Uh, well, I can't hear this because I uh, voice meter and all that. But I can oh, yeah. download I can download this video very quickly. But Morello, while I download these videos off of websites what have you got to plug uh 
Twitter is usually easy to find me. Uh, Murlo Trigo, that's it. Uh, but M Trigo at itch.io as well, where I put most of my games. Uh, don't play my latest game, it sucks. Play <laughs> the like game, the one with the car. You can say that over the phone, Batman, but if I had you... Oh, you can say that over the phone, Batman, but if I had you here, I'd pound you to a pulp! Start pounding, Joker! Um, anyway, Freya, what, what have you got to plug? Uh, I am also on Twitter. I am uh, SPDRCSTL on Twitter, which is the word Spider Castle with all the vowels removed. Uh, I'm on itch.io at Communist Sister. Uh, the, I mean, the latest thing I released is just exactly the same thing I did for Indiepocalypse 15. Yes. So you could you could well just go and buy indie apocalypse 15 yeah or you or... can play winter online there um but yeah and that there, there are there are many things on on my geo page yeah there's um, i yeah i hi listen i don't accidentally link to everybody's um itch pages on the Indiepocalypse page. I have no issues with people just going and playing the games, often for free on everyone's itch pages. It's more like, it's nice if I get some money and the developers get some money, but it's also nice if people just play the games, you know? And find the developers. It's curatorial work. Curatorial work is a good name for it. Yeah, that's... I've been leaning more into the curation and preservation angle as I'm trying to find my angle for coverage. I've had some, there's an article that's sitting around pending in the wind. I don't know what's happening to it. I don't know if it got posted and I got cut from it or what happened or if it got posted and I didn't, they didn't use the word indie apocalypse and the author didn't tell me about it and there was no way referenced and it didn't increase traffic in any meaningful way or what happened. <laughs> But there is another writer who is like, I think this is cool, but I don't know how to fit it in. But um, anyway, I will say my part, um, go to IndiePocalypse.com, buy IndiePocalypse, buy IndiePocalypse 16. It just came out. There's good games in it. There's good games in all of them. You can buy whatever ones you want. Um, if you sign up to, for the newsletter, IndiePocalypse.com slash newsletter, I've started dropping exclusive coupons in the IndiePocalypse newsletter. So if you are fast enough, you can get a new issue of Indie Apocalypse from the newsletter for only five or four dollars and ninety-five US. But that's limited to one person to raise excitement over the zines. Um, Indie Apocalypse. Go to support Indie Apocalypse on Patreon. Oh, you're so nice doing my plugs for me. Yeah. Yes. As Freya mentioned, indiepocalypse.com slash Patreon. Um, 
if you want to listen to this sh- this radio show like a week after or like the following Monday, the $5 tier, the $15 tier, and the $25 tiers, $15 tier is just like, it's like you're buying the zine in month, except it's delivered to you. $25 tier means you get a printed copy of the zine delivered to you by me. They're cool, I think. The print quality. The, the podcast archive on Patreon is great. I've been listening to them during work. Thank you. I can never tell how these are, you know? Because I'm in them, but I enjoy yeah. I enjoy having the conversations. Um, I will say, indiepocalypse.com slash no no no, this is pizzapranks.com slash rpg. Actually, indiepocalypse might work as well. Anyway, slash rpg maker, which is a um, I'm How trying to your new project. This is one of my side projects. This is unrelated to indiepocalypse. Um, which is I'm trying to make an RPG Maker Exquisite Corpse using the PS2 version of RPG Maker 2, where basically I people would spend a month working on a game, then they would take the disc, take the memory card, and mail it to the next person. And that would just continue onwards. And, and that's it. That's I think it's interesting there's also if you are contributing to apocalypse um or really anyone because this is the radio show i can talk whatever we want in the radio show i also want to make a um and also this rpg maker thing is open to anybody like it's not indie apocalypse related that that link has a link to the sign up form but but if you're like huh i really love the idea of this cooperative I guess all exquisite corpses are cooperative, but I really like the idea of these. Exqui- I I love an exquisite corpse, but physical. I don't live in the U.S. and I don't want to modify my PlayStation Two or I don't own a PlayStation Two. I'm also trying to do the same. I decided, like, because I knew that one was so far away. I was like, what if I try to do it with Super Mario World, and each person makes their own level. But I didn't know if I wanted to make that public because if it gets picked up by like a site or like anything, Nintendo's a real, a real piece of shit about things, you know. Sometimes. Yeah, really so I've been keeping that on the down low until it's finished or something. I don't know. I think it's cool. So if you're interested, just ask me. Indiepocalypse at gmail.com. I can give I can sling you that sign up sheet. Let's all learn lunar magic and make a weird I mean, there are like ROM hacks and like no one's busting down Kaizo Mario and like Grand Pooh World and tell them to cease and desist. Like so I'm sure it's fine, but anyway. It's also a lot easier because it's digital and anyone can do it. But um, I think that's all my my redirects, right? I'm going to go to Hover. I think I have them all. Um, you know, hey, if you, have a, if you have an Amazon Prime, why not click that thing and give me $3 of Amazon bucks, right? You know I'm going to spend it on good stuff. <laughs> I, I remember somebody said once, I forget who it was, was it the Catamites? 
they said like indie games is just someone trading this everyone trading the same bitsy dollar back and forth yeah and i'm like what if we traded 20 bitsy dollars back and forth that's indie apocalypse it's trading increasing that bitsy dollar i'm injecting money into the bitsy dollar economy so that we may now Which may spend the entire commission fund on like the next what like five issues of indie apocalypse <laughs> see so we're trading to say we're just trading now we can trade 20 bitsy dollars back and forth take a little longer for paypal to eat it all away um yeah, I think that um, if you have other stuff you want to submit to the zine, like basically if you want to submit comics to the zine or your own mini zines to the zine, like if you enjoy the Electric Zine Maker um, and want to like to submit your own one-page zines or comics to the zine, go to indiepockets.com slash zine. Confusing name, but whatever. I couldn't think of anything else. Submit was taken by submitting. Oh, right. Indiepockets.com slash submit. <laughs> submit games to Indiepocalypse. Um that's it i think i got them all um there's a discord i don't use it or if you're a contributor you get secret access to the contributor channel which is the one i might actually which is one i might actually interact with more but i've realized that i don't care for public forum style of social media as of late but that's just me not wanting to be like why do i don't my approach to Twitter is like, would I say this on a talk show or a panel show? Then yes, that's the kind of conversation I'll have on here. People be too personal online, you know? Mm-hmm. You have to keep up that aura of mystique. Yes, I love to keep up. I paint myself blue every morning in order to do such. <laughs> I, do, I too have a lover that Marvel would never acknowledge. Um, oh, did I just make a Marvel reference by accident? You? There's, there's an X-Men. <laughs> Listen, I don't consider X-Men to be considered Marvel. I consider them to be their own thing, which is weird to say. But, you know, Chris Claremont left a long legacy. Um, anyway, I think the X-Men are cool. I know a lot of X-Men. Mystique is one of them. Um, anyway going to end the show now that was the end of the show thank you everyone for being here goodbye that's the end oh no i have to go back to studio mode and go back to thank you joker thank you thank you joker (laughs) is that's a good close off honestly to everybody i think we should all say goodbye to each other right now saying thank you joker thank you joker thank you joker i do there's a final <laughs> statement. I think it. I think it rules, and it sucks that Jigsaw quotes went corporate. Oh, they fucking they they horse ebooked. Yeah, man. I believe it. The internet used to be awesome. Bear Stearns, Bravo, all over again. I can't respect the. I don't respect anything on the internet anymore. I bet Joker's trick is working for Warner Brothers the whole time. Uh goodbye.